0: Hi, I'm Mark Seifter from Paizo, Arcane Mark, and Battlezoo Best Fury, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop talk RPG
1: talk.
2: This week, Morris and Peter are joined
1: by Jessica Hancock to talk about the process of publishing RPG
0: books. In the news, Dragonlance rules are in Unearthed Arcana, Critical
2: Role's Call of the Netherdeep previews have dropped. TTRPGs dominate the nebula award nominations for game writing and more plus our favorite game in all the world
0: and a brand new sketch about the journey not the destination this week on morse's unofficial tabletop rpg talk Fleetway Incorporated is a reliable and speedy courier. They only employ the best ex-highwaymen and former pirates, so you know your precious cargo is in safe hands. With the region's largest stable of Pegasi, next day delivery is almost guaranteed. Extra charges apply for deliveries free of Pegasus dung. All the tabletop roleplaying news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris
2: unofficial
1: tabletop RPG talk. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is.
3: Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Role Players. Russ, as ever, I am elated to be here. And still here? I know. She yes. hasn't left.
1: What? <laughs> She's just been sitting there for a week, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>
4: ah. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm Jessica Hancock from EM Publishing. Woo!
1: Yes, back so Jessica, again. Yes, yeah. you were on last week and you're on again this week.
4: I, we can't seem
3: to. Um, we had so we much can't, fun can't, bullying Russ yeah. last
1: week, you've come back to do some more. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
4: it's yeah. yeah. pretty much part of my full-time job. So.
1: Amen. Woo. So what we're going to be talking about later in the show is we're going to be hmm. demystifying the process of how a tabletop RPG book goes from being a file on your desktop to a hardcover book dropping through someone's letterbox.
2: Yes. And mm.
1: all of the steps in between, including printing, shipping, distribution, all of that stuff. We're going to try and demystify all of that step by step.
4: Shipping and yeah. fulfilment, the exciting and sexy part the of plan. the tabletop yeah. RPG Yeah. Uh,
1: logistics. Who, what logistics, is better than a
4: podcast yes. on
3: logistics? Logistics are super important. Just ask the Russian army in Ukraine.
1: Well, or- there is that. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Well, Surprisingly, there are behind the scenes podcasts as some of our yeah. best listened to podcasts episodes. Yeah. People seem to, people seem to like that stuff, yeah. like well, how things work behind the scenes. I think
4: it's really useful if you're planning on doing your own. You're like, oh, well, mm. I'll hear what someone else did, and you know, stand yeah. on the shoulder of giants type thing.
1: Yeah, Make so make us the giants. So we've got we've got an official name for this segment now. It's called the Awfully Cheerful Question. The Awfully Cheerful Question. The Awfully Cheerful Question. And last week. We sent out a copy of the awfully cheerful engine to the person who question we answered, and we do the same this week, which is awfully exciting. And I who lost is it. that
4: person who has won a copy of the awfully cheerful I engine? I had had the window,
1: open and I went and closed it.
4: I'd love that you're here, Jessica.
3: It saves me a lot of asking Rusty's Walker questions, which I know he's not going to be able to answer okay. because he's he's clicked away from it. I'm
4: here to share Are the burden. Ready? Here to carry. Help you out there, Peter.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, 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 thank you. I feel I feel like I'm playing Skyrim now. Carry (laughs) your burdens. Carry your
4: burdens. (laughs) Yeah, you've got the
3: passive aggressive tone, right? I know everything. Yeah, I'm very good at passive
4: aggressive. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, our question this week, yes, yes, is slightly related to last week's question, actually. Okay. So it kind of expands on it a little. So it's from Mark Harris. Yes. And Mark Harris wants to know is, do you think a new edition is part of the design of D&D at this point? Second edition seemed like a reasonable update to the rules, but since third, it seems like the new edition every few years now may be part of the business plan. What do you all think?
2: Hmm.
4: Well, when they say a few years, Russ, how many years has it been between the editions?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked, Jess, because I made a list. Gosh. Gosh. So, <laughs> I didn't bother with the OD&D basics and all that, because there was a whole load of massive editions sort of yeah. in the first few years. So, starting yeah. in 1977 with AD&D first edition, I yeah. made this list. Mm-hmm. So, that was in 1977. Okay. There were then 12 years until second edition in 1989.
4: That's a good amount mm-hmm. of time. That yep. seems reasonable to me.
1: There were then 11 years between 89 and 2000 for D&D third edition.
4: Okay. Okay. Huh.
1: Then it got a little bit shorter. There were, well, there were just three years until D&D 3.5. I don't know if you want to count 3.5. I do not think it's a full edition, is it? I mean, how much did it change, really? Quite a bit. Yeah? Okay. Fair yeah, enough. quite a bit. Um, then there were five years until D&D 4E in 2008. Mm-hmm. Then we had six years until D&D 5E in 2014. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Which- we're looking at 10 years until 2024 when the next edition is coming out, which is 6E or 5.5 or whatever that's going to end up being called. Yeah, yeah.
4: Okay. That so means... 10
1: years since the last edition. Well,
4: that yeah. doesn't sound too close together for me.
1: No, yeah. I don't think so either. So 12, 11, 3, 5, 6, 10. Yeah, and even fourth edition.
4: Like unless they're talking about the supplements and stuff and you feel that you need to mm. buy, you know, all the new d d books to get the new races and, you know, things like that because, you know, the yeah. – you know, the setting books they have now include all these bits and pieces, and they come mm. out a lot more regularly. Um, I, mean,
3: I mean, they've sort of been updating it as well. Like, uh, mm. you've got Sapphire's Guide to Everything. Exactly. And they brought in the Hexblade, which is basically patching the Pact of the Blade Warlock so that it will actually do
1: what it's supposed to do, which is be a warlock <laughs> in close combat. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
1: So I, th- I, I think the strategy here these days isn't so much a new edition. They want 5th yeah. edition to be like Evergreen. Yeah. So from now on, you're always pretty much going to be playing 5th edition. And they're kind of, like, slowly adjusting it in the books, aren't they? They're making little changes here and there. Yeah. So instead of a big jump to 6th edition, you're just gradually morphing into 6th edition.
4: Yeah, so right. it's not like buying a new house. You're just putting a conservatory on it or something.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes.
3: Well, I, don't know. I think we've had a conservatory and a porch and oh, yeah. a loft extension. That's all been going on. So I'm not quite sure where they've got the space. Like, are they just going to... I, I
4: imagine it's the like back. the Weasleys' house at the moment. It's this tumbled shack of lots of bits and pieces <laughs> added on and mm. it looks a bit different.
1: Yeah. And then in 2024 they're just going to kind of revise it and just kind of compile all that stuff. Yeah. Mm. That's what's going to happen.
3: So you just have it in one book. Mm. Mm.
4: I, d- I don't feel that they're coming out too quickly to, to answer, go back to, to Mark's question. Um, I don't feel it's too quick. And also, mm. I think as as I said before, you don't have to buy the new editions. If mm. you've bought Fifth edition, or help if you've even still got you know version three and you're happy playing that, keep playing that.
1: Of course, yeah. I think yeah. I think the argument against mm. that though is that people like the edition they're playing to be supported, and third edition isn't supported with new material.
4: Okay, sure. Mm, so yeah. that's
1: that's that's where people kind of feel like being left behind, I guess, in a way, yeah, yeah. if they want to stick with an edition rather but than move on.
4: A lot of people create fifth, you know Dungeons and Dragons supplements that aren't mm. Wizards of the Coast. Oh yeah, and so if I'm you're sure- willing to step
1: outside of the Wall Garden and step out into third-party yeah. stuff. Yeah. There's tons of it. There'll there. be
4: loads of Some third really edition stuff. stuff there of earlier yeah, editions, yeah, I, I'll yeah. bet. So, and also you can, you can just write your own. The great thing about role playing games mm. is you can just, you what? can do what you Makes want. Stuff? You
2: can, you can yeah. just
4: ignore the rule book no! as well.
3: cannot
1: possibly be true.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah I, I don't know. I mean, that's sort of, I don't know. Right, <laughs> <out>. I, <laughs> well, that's I, I the kind
4: have, of uh, the rule of cool, GM. I have strong stuff. feelings
3: on the DIY aesthetic. Yeah,
4: it's just like yeah, you yeah. know, technically that's not in the rules, but you want to do that really cool thing, so I'm going to allow it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it,
3: it's it's a it's a stylistic choice, and it's a perfectly fine way to do it. But mm-hmm. like, yeah,
1: yeah. So we are saying that we do we think a, the question do we think a new edition is part of the design of D anD D at this point? Or are we saying yes, it is, or no, it isn't?
3: I don't really understand what part of the design means in this case.
1: I think I think
4: like interpret in that to
1: mean, is that planned from the start? Is obsolescence planned from the start, I guess, is the question.
2: Uh,
4: I don't think so. I think, similar to what Peter was saying, they look at what they've got and then they just kind of build on it.
1: I think it just mm-hmm. happens organically, doesn't
3: it? I don't yeah. think it's... There's def- I mean, planned obsolescence would be like there's some mechanic where suddenly... Your D20s stopped working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, I've rolled a D20, I've got an X. They've changed their the D20s physics. The <laughs> D20s don't roll anymore or something. You can yeah. only yeah.
4: roll them 200 times, then you have to buy a new one.
3: I, yeah. I mean, maybe with us changed to six edition, with all the computer side of things being bought in-house, maybe that will have some planned obsolescence. Yeah, so that's,
1: that's interesting. now. So it's not going to so much be... I mean, I'm, this is complete conjecture, obviously, but mm. so much a edition change is a platform change.
3: Yeah, so maybe that is part of it. And if you're not up to speed, then that sucks to be you. I guess is the plan. I
1: guess. I right. Well, anyway, I hope we've I hope we've answered Mark's question satisfactorily. Yes. At least we tried. We tried. Congratulations, uh, Mark, Mark. We will be sending you a copy of the Awfully Cheerful Engine. Drop me an email at morrispodcast at gmail.com with your address, and we'll get that straight out to you. Anyone who wants to get in on next week, send us in a question, either on Twitter with hashtag Awfully Cheerful Question, an email to morrispodcast at gmail.com, or on our Facebook group. <laughs> go on to the uh, Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk Facebook group. Put your question there. We'll choose one, the best question, and that person will get a free copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did see on Twitter that last week Laurie's um, book has arrived, and they posted Yay. that on Twitter a picture of it. So. Excellent. Uh, also, you get it within a week. Is that quick? There you go. Lovely. <clears throat> anyway, I wanted to talk about Dragonlance. Is what I wanted to talk about. Oh no. Yes. Oh, we gotta talk about Kendra. The Dragon Lance thing happened this week. It did. Yeah. I'm taking it from your faces. You both saw the Dragon Lance thing.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It was interesting.
2: So, the Dragon Lance
1: thing was an unearthed arcana, which is playtest material from Wizards of the Coast. Yep. Which they do every month or so. Well, there's been quite a long time since the last one. There's been like two or three months, I think, since the last one.
2: Mmm.
1: There's been a bit of a gap, but they've come Mm. back again with a bunch of Dragon Lance rules. Yes. Called Heroes of Kren. Mm-hmm. which contains a new version of the Kenda yay wow, Peter looks <laughs> absolutely delighted by
0: this
3: I, I, oh yeah yeah I just can't wait for someone to say oh I want to play a Kenda Mm. yeah
1: um, <laughs> it includes Lunar Magic Subclasses for the Sorcerer mm. yes you can track the Face of the Moon excellent Knights of Salamnia and uh, Mage of High Sorcery as backgrounds Mm. and we also have a bunch of knights of the crown sword and rose and adept mm. of the white, red and black robe feats. Yeah. That yeah, sounds yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So have you guys actually looked at this? or
4: I haven't in detail. Uh, <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, I read about it because I was doing the This Week in Tabletop RPG news summary video, which was mm-hmm. the news in just 90 seconds opposed to the hour or so this will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked about that. I thought it was interesting because they haven't actually officially announced that they're doing the book. But no. All this stuff is kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's heavily implied that there's going to be one from this. It would yeah. be a bit weird if there wasn't, right?
1: Yeah. At this point, yeah, because with Ravenoff, they did the same thing. They did a whole mm. lot of playtest stuff, and then the book was announced a few months later. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that seems to be their kind of MO these so days.
4: We're just waiting for an announcement that there'll be an announcement. Uh, yes, okay. yeah.
1: an announcement of the announcement of the announcement.
4: Okay, yeah. Good. yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, well, guys, surely we should do like a tease of the trailer first. I mean, we don't want yes, to go just just at 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 the at end the yeah. announcement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
4: <That's laughs> so, what did you
3: think of it,
1: Peter? Did you did you read it?
3: Mm. Yeah, I had a quick look through. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with Kenda is they were sort of amusing to read about when I was a kid, but if someone was to read Dragonlance and then in all innocence say, "Ah, oh, these Kenda are of amazing." I will bring it to a D and D game. It's going to be so disruptive. Mm. I mean, you're going to have to do some real session zero work to get people to agree on, like you know, do you basically mind having your stuff stone off you? And then, well, that's the thing. They've, they've retconned.
1: They've, they've retconned the stealing aspect. It's gone. Yes, which it's is nice. now a magical ability where they pull things from the Feywild.
3: Yeah, no, I mean that's that's very solid. Um, mm. I, I do I do quite like that. Do, 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 do. I don't
1: think they've got the fearlessness anymore, have they? Or did they miss that? I don't remember uh, They're that brave. Chance, they're brave, but they're not completely yeah. fearless. They're not
3: immune to frightening condition because dragons can still scare them. Right. Uh, supernatural effects and so it's forth. It's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be scared of a dragon, but yeah, same. Yeah, I'm not supposed to be immune to fear. So, um, and one of the things, oh, yes, the taunt ability. Mm. That's one of these proficiency bonus per long rest things, but it's just the. Yeah. Better version of uh, vicious mockery, right? So, mm. yeah, disadvantage on all your attacks, which, when you start getting at high levels, is going to be quite Painful. significant. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah.
3: Looking forward to using it for NPCs, obviously. Hmm.
1: <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see that. I think if if there is a Dragon Lance book coming, which <laughs> we now suspect there is, I don't know. I, I find it really interesting because I was kind of wondering the other day what's. What's more popular, like mm. a Dragonlance book or like there's Call of the Netherdeep, which is coming out mm. I mean, like next week in America and next month over here, yeah, yeah. yeah. which is kind of like the critical role underwater-themed source book. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is something interesting. And I don't know whether this means anything or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this obviously isn't representative of the like, entire hobby or anything. But I put two articles on my site.
2: Mm.
1: One was about Call of the Netherle- Netherdeep previews,
2: uh-huh.
1: and one of them was about the North Arcana about Dragonlance. Uh-huh. And the Dragonlance article so far has, let's have a look, Call of the Netherdeep, yeah, nearly 30 times the views of the Netherdeep one. Wow. So I don't know if that means anything.
4: Is that the, the, the medium people get information, though? Because I mean, maybe, maybe Dragonlance fans... Are more likely to go to Ian World, Maybe. and maybe. then maybe Critical Role fans are more likely to watch video stuff on YouTube. So yeah, maybe. maybe oh, yeah, are yeah. you
3: suggesting that that Dragonlance fans may skew a bit older? Is is that? Is that I what didn't
4: about? say that. I said mm. they preferred to read their content. And oh, okay. uh, Peter, you made reading. that jump all by yourself.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, also, on the topic of age, I mean, we I do uh, I post a demographics of Ian World thing every year using Google Analytics. I'd be surprised mm-hmm. that um, the actual average age of an EM World reader is actually lower than Wizards of the Coast's stated average age of a and d player.
4: What is the
2: average but, age?
1: Um, it was low 20s, I think, if I okay. remember correctly.
2: Okay.
1: But oh, we, it actually, it's, actually comes out a couple of years lower, bizarrely. Ooh, nice. Yeah, really? I was surprised also. But it's oh. been like that. Well, the last two times I did it, it showed that, which was kind of weird.
3: Well, there you go. It's official. Reading is cool. Mm. Uh, I'm glad to hear it, yeah. I'm a big fan of reading. Um, I think the Sorcerer is sort of a new addition. Um, I'm not quite sure how the concept of a Sorcerer, which is basically your parents at one stage were indiscreet with a elemental dragon, undead lich, possibly mm-hmm. something else, transfers to a moon that does... It does make me a bit confused but
1: yeah. well that's is it is it a is it a background or is it a it's a, it's a subclass it, well that, well yeah so yeah
3: so it, so it comes as part of the being a sorcerer which is it's all about you know who your parents used to be
1: yeah i mean you can make a subclass that isn't that though sure absolutely i don't, I don't know why, why but, that's but,
3: a problem i mean that's sort of supposed to be the idea behind sorcerers but yeah sure
1: um, I think sources are okay. supposed to be anything. They just mm-hmm. are what they are. And if you if you add more things to them, they're more things.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and there's like a couple of typos, like they've um, switched around Death Ward and Freedom of Movement on the Full Moon spells, because uh, those are you, – you're, you're probably not supposed – what I'm trying to say is you're probably supposed to get Freedom of Movement at level five, not Death Ward, because that's a much mm. higher level spell.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. but, but overall, what do you think? Just like just overall thought. Is it interesting to you, is it? I mean, it is playtest material, to be fair, but...
3: Um,
1: I mean, basically
3: what I'm looking for is I really liked The War of the Lance. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the best writing in the world, but the stories are really cool. and I've Mm -hmm. very much enjoyed them. So if I was going to pick up Dragonlance, I'd go back to my comfort zone and War of the Lance and stuff around there, Mm -hmm. which is... um, It's basically fantasy post-apocalyptic work. And, like, I'm here for that. That's that's an interesting meld of genres. Hmm. I would just probably be quite lost if they went too far beyond that. Yeah. And I realize I'm like 20 years out of date, if not more.
1: Well, to me, Dragon Islands is kind of D&D Star Wars. They're kind of like, they hinge around an iconic big story in mm. the center of it. Mm. Sort of universe spanning or, you know, world spanning big story and conflict in the center of it. Mm. And uh, Anything else that you do has to kind of nibble at the fringes of it of that story. Does that make sense? Like you have to do that when you play Star Wars as well, mm-hmm. unless you yeah. advance the timeline on or, or play it in an entirely different timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Star Wars, you can't have the you can't have your players, you know, solve the problem of there being an evil they empire can't, and defeat the empire. Yeah, they
4: can't blow up the Death Star, can they? Really?
1: Yeah, yeah. No. Well, so if the biggest story is already told, you only get the fringes, or you have to have another timeline, another.
2: Mm. So,
1: yeah, I think they both suffer from that problem when it comes to tabletop RPGs. Mm. It's harder to find the space to play in.
4: I guess, yeah, yeah, because when you're playing the game, you want to be, you know, you and your party want to be the main heroes.
1: Yeah, you want to be important people in the world, don't you?
4: Yeah. I mean,
3: let's face it, right? It's me. I'm definitely going to run it in Advanced 5th Edition. Mm. So what can I say? I found something I like and (laughs) then I must chew on it until I've removed all joy from it for myself, which is probably about 10 years or something. But in the meantime, um, I would be going through and rewriting the books, having like Salamnic Knights as a culture rather than like a subclass or anything like that, because that seems like probably the most appropriate use for it. Maybe doing something with like the different mages. I don't know of a subclass I, ha- I haven't really thought about it until I just like started talking at the start of this sentence I don't know how I'd break down the mages but yeah and you've got like, various places like maybe you want to do stuff like uh, Old Ishtar or Solace mm. yeah lots of space uh, you can also bring in a lot of the generic things from um, Advanced Swift Edition mm. so
1: yeah yeah I'm talking to Dragon Dance um, we've got the book coming out the new novel coming out soon haven't we as well mm. it's in August is it August? I think it's August. I can't remember. We talked Bangs about it. Was it Dracons last year we deceived. talked about it? Yeah. 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 I'm pretty hmm. sure it's August that's coming out.
3: Yeah. It's supposed to be like a hopping on point for people who have never read any Dragonlance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, would be
4: right. aimed at me then, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I have mean, you... Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Jess, so have you got no familiarity with Dragonlance at all? Is it completely...
4: Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> it's not something I've... Yeah. I, I know of.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, the... Like the original books are, well, they were my, my gateway written.
1: into D and D. I think.
3: Yeah. Well, well, they were based off modules for what second Ed. The, the
1: when, ed yeah.
4: When were they released? First
1: edition, not second. No. Yeah. Oh, early 80s early 80s okay this yeah.
4: is that's, that's where like, the issue mid 80s, born. Yeah, yeah. Mid <laughs> 80s <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in the, the late 80s um, but in fairness and I didn't get into gaming like RPGs properly until I was in my 20s as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so a lot of my I don't have a lot of the childhood nostalgia of those sort of things except for like yeah. Hero Quest the board game but that's,
1: <sighs> yeah. that's really
4: an RPG but that was that was my kind of
1: I, I do thing. wonder how much of this is nostalgia for me and how much of it is I don't know it's really hard to, it's really hard to untangle that
4: why, why question it, you know? If you enjoy it, enjoy oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Like, well, the I, thing is,
1: I don't know if I still enjoy it. That's the thing. If I wow. revisit it, I might find, oh my goodness, this is not for me anymore. You know? It sounds
4: like Peter's going to buy a game and run one. So, you know, give it a try <laughs> in that game, I guess. See what you think, <laughs> if we commit to it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> It's more the novel that I'm really interested in. Mm. Oh, okay. I want to see what yeah. happens in the story.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to jump back into Dragonlance because, like I say, it's quite an interesting world. It is following essentially a... Magical apocalypse, which yeah. involved a giant meteor coming out of the sky and smiting some essentially Tower of Babel esque king priest of Ishtar. Mm. Which is, a, by the way, there, there's so many fantastic euphonious names in the thing. I mean, Knights of Salamnia, the Order of the Rose. The Order, I mean, they just really trip off the tongue, and yeah. I re- I'm a sucker for a good name. Has a uh, many episodes of guest Kickstarter will
2: <laughs> attest. <and laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> Um, and yeah, like, then you've got a big, whirling, constant maelstrom in a sea, which everyone has to, like, sort of sketchy around, because they do not want to go into the hole at the bottom,
2: because
3: <laughs> mm. that is death. And, like, the whole world has been turned upside down.
1: And that's also where Minotaur pirates come from. And Minotaur pirates. Let's move on to Call of the Netherdeep.
2: Deep. Mm. Yes.
1: Yes. Comes out next week in America. Comes out.
4: 15th of March in America. Yeah. And April the
1: 5th here. Yeah.
4: yeah. 5th of April in Europe. Yeah. Okay.
1: And cool. we've got some previews of it. Ooh. So, this is a look at. So, they've got a rival NPC system going on in yes. this. And they've got um, four, I think it's four, um, rival NPCs previewed. Mm. So rather than being it looks like sort of actual kind of villains, they're rivals. Mm. So mm. they're not they're not like these guys are evil, but they're just they're just rivals in some yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it's not it's not like a black and white thing. So there's no stats, but we've got um we've got uh Irvan Wastewalker, mm. who's a human yeah. rogue. Yeah. Uh we've got Dermot Werder, who's a goblin cleric. We've got A.O. Jabe, a water genocide. Is it genocide or
3: Genasi, Gen- Genes- Genasi, 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 Genasi. I w- I've said Genasi, but Genasi. I, like, oh, I say nice. Genasi,
4: but I'm very mm. dyslexic, so I could be. Well, okay. So all up. three
1: of us say it differently. <laughs> okay.
3: Lie. I ain't gonna say you're wrong either. You know, like,
1: uh, <laughs> and well, then we've got Maggie Eyes, an ogre fighter. What? Oh, okay. Well, at least we know what
3: sort of specialism they've got.
1: Yeah. They let me let me show you
3: these so you can <laughs> so see. Are they, are they actually a large NPC? I don't know. Let me have a look. Okay. Well, no stuff uh, blocks, just names. Well,
1: one of them one of them looks like Yoda and one of them looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. That, Shaggy be. from
3: Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. So we got it. Oh, yeah. So we it's really a large
1: them? giant ogre, which is actually oh. quite a small giant, to be fair.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. There you go. So that's, that's them.
4: Yeah. It does really look like Shaggy from Scooby So it's interesting
1: because yeah. it says like they adapt <laughs> and change to every crucial moment in your campaign, this party of rival NPCs. So oh, okay. I don't know how the system's gonna work exactly, but it's interesting, it's an interesting idea. Right. So
3: are they sort of mates? Question mark. So that this is this is actually a party of NPCs.
1: Is it's, that right? As far as I can make out, yes, yes, Yay. it's a party
3: of NPCs, yeah. And they're they're doing things ostensibly on the same side as you, but they are actually in competition with you.
1: In some that, manner, yes, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Okay. Uh, I don't know any more than that. That's basically all I know. Yeah. So, but they've each really so- got full stat blocks.
3: Yeah, but they seem to be written as NPC stat blocks?
1: They are, but a couple of them do have character classes.
2: Huh. Uh,
1: cleric, Dermot Werder, who looks like Yoda. Yeah. And the uh, Ranger... Which is A O Jabby jabe Jabby Jabe? One of those.
4: They look very jabe. cool. Mm. Yeah, uh,
3: that's sort all of blue with um. Well, two of them have and classes, and two of them cute, don't. Cute little tusks sticking out, and the yeah. blue ears. Oh. Yeah.
2: Well, it says here uh, they,
4: you know, the, the characters in the game can choose to help the rivals to meet their goals together, or they can manipulate them into doing what they want. So mm. it seems it's quite open about they're there and available, and you can mm. kind of choose. How you interact with them, and that probably is. Then the book goes on with saying, if they do this, then this happens, and yeah, do, so. yeah, I guess
1: so. Be interesting to see.
4: And there are some terrifying monsters as well. Yes,
1: yeah, a corrupted giant shark which looks horrible.
4: It's like a hammerhead that someone's put through a shredder.
1: Yes, huh. yeah, it's Ooh. quite an unpleasant image.
3: Yeah, oh, that's really weird. I just I noticed on the cleric. Mm-hmm. that he's got a Warhammer attack and a Searing Wrath attack. Mm-hmm. The Searing Wrath attack is a ranged attack. Mm-hmm. So either they're doing a ranged attack at close range, which is a disadvantage, or they don't get to use their Warhammer. Weird. No,
1: because you can you can move as part of your action.
3: Right, right. So you
1: do, you go shoot them, then charge in and whack them with a Warhammer.
3: Right, right. Okay, that's good. I was thinking that you whack them with a Warhammer... Getting that tackle opportunity on you and the uh, move away. But well, you could do it that way around as well, but that seems suboptimal. That seems deeply suboptimal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow.
1: Yeah. That so the giant shark there, there. It looks quite. I really like that artwork, by the way, but it does look horrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: As Cuses, it is meant to. Yeah.
1: yeah, it causes a painful mental distress in creatures nearby. It's a
4: Yeah, hmm. by looking at it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm experiencing that right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's a, oh, it's a
3: hammerhead as well. You can see the eye on all mm, the yeah. things here. And then there's, yeah, there's really one that incredible. looks like
4: an anglerfish as well.
1: Yeah, yes. well, we've got the, yes, yeah, so we've fe- got one.
4: a female anglerfish. As We've we got a
1: light devourer down there <laughs> that absorbs bright lights and yeah. has lots and lots of spikes on it and spines and needle-like teeth. And it converts that stolen light into searing energy, which rips into its prey. Oh, that's nice. They're all very friendly. So, yeah. so you're
3: thinking all those like little uh, pink blobs it's got inside those all the male anglerfish mm. it's
1: acquired. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. And then finally, we've got Death Embrace, which is like a giant jellyfish, jellyfish. with tentacles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, with with a human
3: for scale. Barbed tentacles, yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I quite like this. It's uh, It said, you know what? Why Why would we create our own monsters when we just have to look at the bottom of the sea and basically yeah. transplant them across, and they're all terrifying? Yeah, there yeah. are some the, terrifying the, looking the creatures. The
4: deep sea is terrifying. Yes, yeah.
1: yeah.
4: I think like,
3: we can agree on that. All, all, all we need to add to further trauma is like some close-ups of crab mouth pieces. How mm. was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe,
4: maybe that is in the book this is just a preview of a few things mm.
3: yeah. this, is, this is what they show you before, so that you don't freak out <laughs> everyone's screaming on the that.
1: yeah uh, right so anyway so that's, that's, that's next week and the week, uh, next month depending where you are and that's mm-hmm. basically a critical role underwater themed hardcover coming straight from Wizards of the Ghost and I don't yeah. really know that much more about it because it's, it's been kind of weird there's usually quite a lot more buzz about these upcoming hardcovers and I feel like it's been a bit Muted this time. I don't know if that's just me, but yeah, usually right. there seems to be more, more, more buzz around them.
4: Yeah,
3: maybe people aren't excited for underwater adventures.
1: Maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe I don't know. I don't know. Well, no. I
4: imagine these books sell quite a lot and just being critical role. Because I expect so. Yeah. the critters yeah. will will buy it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> maybe that's where the marketing is being focused.
4: Yeah. So probably. maybe I'm just
1: not seeing quite a lot of the marketing. Perhaps I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Nebula Awards.
2: Yes. Nebula
1: Awards. Yeah. Oh, exciting! There are this year amongst the nominees for the Nebula Awards are four tabletop role playing games.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. And this isn't a tabletop role playing game award thing; it's just for science fiction and fantasy writing in general. Yeah. Yeah. So for lots of tabletop RPGs to get into it is quite a big thing, and it shows that the industry is being, you know, recognised, you know, and taken seriously.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Is there a special category or?
1: Well, there's a game writing. There's been a game writing category for uh, a while. But that typically tends to be video game writing. With you. Rather than tabletop game writing. So um, tabletop games have made it before in 2019. Mm -hmm. Evil Hat got their Fate Accessibility Toolkit in. Nice. And in 2020, a game, I'm not familiar with it, called Sense and Seismosis. Seismosis? A word I've yeah. never seen before. Uh, that that was in there in twenty twenty. Okay. Hmm. Uh, uh, but this year there's four, right? Four different games, and they are Coyote and Crow, nice, nice which is the Native American themed. It was on Kickstarter last year, year before. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think can't remember exactly, but or well, it must have been last year because presumably this is for. Things well, that came okay. out that's recently,
3: yeah. But yeah, I think it must have been Kickstart of 2020 and came out 2021.
1: Maybe, maybe. Which would then make it
3: eligible, Yeah, I think. Uh, but so I, I can't I can't tell anymore. I'm like,
1: yeah. the last two years are just that. <laughs> yeah, so we've also got Thirsty Sword Lesbians, again from mm. Evil Hat. So that's yes, Evil Hat's second time
2: getting mm. nominated
1: for an Ebony Award. Uh, we've got Wonder Home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we've got something called Grandma's Hands, which I'm not familiar with.
4: Grandma's hand, just one of them. Grandma's Not hand, both. one
1: hand, yes. By Roaring Lion Productions, uh, Balogun Ojitadi Ojite, again a name I've probably mangled, but um yeah. So it's those those four plus a plus a video game have made it into the uh, okay. into the game writing category. Hmm.
4: I'm excited by that because I. I long think I think tabletop RPGs can be art in the same way that oh, um, yeah, books yeah. and films are. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of people have seen it that way, and so getting into awards and things like this shows that the industry is being taken seriously mm. and is, cool. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they definitely are. I mean, my opinion, mm. like most of the best tabletop RPGs tend to come from a single vision, like mm. like like a like a piece of art does, as opposed to yeah. sort of you know because like, um, you know. Whether or not that single vision is for you, that creates a kind of... Does this make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah, So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that too. So they're going to be announced, the winners are going to be announced on May the 21st, which is just like a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Oh, um, there's a
3: bit of stuff about the Grandma's Hand superhero RPG. Just having a quick look on Amazon. Right. Apparently, Golden Age Comics, mm-hmm. It's like the thesis is, what if there were many black series? Superheroes, mm-hmm. but they never received the publicity or accolades they they, they they deserved. Right, right. Um, and it explores the golden age of comics from 1930s to the 50s, mm-hmm. in which black heroes fight against Nazis, mad scientists, sinister cultists, and superheroes can include hardball detectives, detectives, criminals forced to become heroes, veterans of war, uh, brilliant gadgeteers, mm-hmm. brilliant gadgeteers rocketing to battle with their jetpacks against bloodthirsty vampires in the Clue Klux Clan.
1: I hate those bloodthirsty vampires. They're the worst ones.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, uh, as opposed to all the vegetarian ones. But yeah. still.
1: Well, Count Ducula. <laughs> Count Ducula <laughs> is a vegetarian vampire.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're punching, you're punching Nazis. <laughs> you're punching KKK. I mean, it's got everything
1: you could possibly want in the game. Just
4: the punch mm. a bigot campaign.
1: Oh, right. that's good to me. Yeah. 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 So, good times. Yeah. Hey, so we have got, you know, ICV2's industry reports Ooh. So the one for fall twenty twenty one has landed. They're always, Mm -hmm. you know, a few months behind. Mm -hmm. Um so it's usually the top five tabletop role playing games. they get these this chart by interviewing retailers and distributors. Mm. Um and it's the hobby channel only, so it's not Amazon. It's not you know big book, big big box um stores, it's like small games stores and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, we got the chart now. As usual, D and D's in first place, as always. Mm-mm. There's no surprise Gasp. there. Uh, Pathfinder it had dropped to third place in spring mm. 2021. Yes, and it's reclined back up to second place.
3: Mm. Is this second edition, first edition? It doesn't or first say thriller. specifically.
1: It just says Pathfinder. Mm. So I assume okay. all combined. I don't know. I don't well,
3: know. that does mean it's doing better than it was on roll twenty. Mm. Because on Roll20, Call of Cthulhu just beat that yeah, hands Yeah, well, Call of
1: Cthulhu is on this chart, but it's at number five. Mm. Number five? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But what's interesting is number three. We've got D&D mm. 5e again uh, with the uh, under-the-brand Goodman Games. Uh, so now they do the they revive old adventures in big hardcovers and give mm. you the original adventure and then a 5e version of the adventure and maybe another mm. sort of rare version of the adventure – so they're kind of like 5e versions of old adventures.
2: Oh,
3: and that's what's saying. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. There's a lot of really good adventures out there. They're just yeah. not.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: And so, you'd have to convert them all to first edition. Which yeah. Well, this
1: one's presumably spurred because the timing would coincide with their 5e version of the Temple of Elemental Evil, mm-hmm. which came out about okay. then. So I'm assuming that's what's pushed them up to number three there. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, good for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, cool. absolutely. And then number four, so, we've got Fallout from Mod- modifius, Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, So like the, the 4 and 5 are always different pretty much every time these mm. come out and it's just whatever's the latest hotness. So you still get D&D yeah. and Pathfinder and stuff at the top always. Then numbers 4 and yeah. 5 are whatever's hot at the moment.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So at the moment it is Fallout and Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. But like last year it was Alien, the uh, yes. three leagues Alien. Yeah. Thing, you know, so yeah, it's, it's whatever's hot right now tends to be. Okay.
3: Um, so yeah. That so sort of begs the question of, uh, let's see, so where's Fallout being played? Uh, well, it's been it, bought,
1: is what we know. We don't know where it's well, been played. Well, we know
3: it's been bought... Oh, sorry. I meant, is it being played in person, or is it been played online? Well, if mean, it's been played online, Where's it been played? Well,
1: they're, well, yeah, they're asking retailers and distributors, so we're talking yes. hardcover, hardcover books. Copies. So we're certainly so yeah. talking about the hard copies rather than the online versions.
2: Mm. You might I be know. making an
4: assumption that if you buy a lot of hard copies of books, maybe you play more in person.
2: Mm. I don't know.
4: That might be completely, mm. completely wrong, though. A lot yeah, of people might know. sit at their computers with their books, but
1: yeah um, I do not I d I don't I've got no yeah. idea. Yeah. I don't think there's any possible way to find out either. But
4: what we do know is that people are buying it.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's the important thing. Especially
3: yeah. if you're selling it. Yeah, yeah for retailers, <laughs>
4: definitely. <laughs> if you're
3: selling books, this is excellent though. So yeah, yes. good times. People are still buying RPG books. Yes. I'm
4: mm-hmm. glad because it's been yeah. really tough the last two years for mm. I mean it's always been tough to be a, a hobby retailer and mm. um mm. you know the last two years especially, so I'm glad that people are buying books.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: I'm also glad people are buying books because we sell books. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great chain of being. Yes. And I've noticed a remarkable coincidence for every single book that we sell, someone mm. buys a book.
2: Really?
4: Who'd have thought? What? I'm, uh, it's amazing. Well, I'm going to double check those numbers. No, it's a bit be too a perfect to yeah. me.
1: Yeah. That's, that's got coincidence for all over it.
4: Statistical yeah. clustering.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah. All right. So, Peter, I've got some bad news for you. It's got to be done. Your favourite segment oh, of the show. No. Look at this. Ah.
2: The TSR News Update.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry talk about these people. That's yeah, I'll do it quick. I'll be quick. I'll be. I promise to be quick. Okay. So, TSR Watch. We are back with TSR Watch. Okay. Wizards of the Coast has come down with basically a legal hammer.
4: Yeah. Um,
1: There's a big, long (laughs) counterclaim document (laughs) where Uh, Wizards of the Coast is now um, (laughs) suing not just TSR, but Justin Lanasa personally.
4: Yeah. As an individual.
1: (laughs) As an individual. Um, It's not just over the trademark to the game TSR and the graphic logos and the name Star frontiers. They're also looking for damages now. Um, They are asking that all trademarks be turned over to them and also URLs under cyber squatting laws. All materials using those trademarks be destroyed. The monetary value of all revenue gained by association with use of those trademarks be handed over to Wizards of the Coast. 25 grand in damages, attorney's fees and This is going out to TSR, the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum, and Justin Lanazza, personally, and they have 21 days to respond now, or they'll get judgment filed by default against them.
3: Yeah. I I mean, to be fair, he's been trying really hard to annoy them.
1: Yes, he's been poking yeah. them so much I don't quite understand why he, I don't know. Anyway, I said I wouldn't spend long on it. I will move on. Move that on. is <laughs> what
4: happened. Those are factually things that have occurred. Yes. Those
1: yeah,
3: are, things, are things that have actually have
1: occurred. occurred. Yes, yeah.
3: Oh. Yeah. It's, these things happen. Oh. So I guess in 21 Maybe,
1: oh. days we'll find out some more. I guess,
4: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll keep you updated. Yeah. <sighs>
1: yes. yeah. But it does look like the hammer is coming down now. So if you keep on poking a bear, eventually it's going to bite you.
4: Do bears bite you?
1: Or do they just whack you with giant claws? I don't know. I,
4: I, haven't, it, I haven't sat I around to dumb. find
1: out. Yeah. Well, yeah. they hug you, don't they? They famously hug you. They squeeze you to death. Um, I think that's pythons you're yeah, like. no, a bear hug. That's what a bear hug is. But,
3: but, well, they, they that's grab hold you whilst from. they're biting you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, moving on from the delightful subject of bear attacks. Yes, yeah. We've got some other dues, perhaps?
2: We've got the
4: charity bundles that we, I think we mentioned last week, though, did we? Yeah.
3: Yes, yes. They're
4: still going.
3: I wasn't prepared for how many games I would get. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, here you go, have $10. And they're like, oh, yes, have so many games. How many have you
1: got now, then? 7,000?
3: Something like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you support two bundles, and that's it. You're mm. just like, wow! Well, I have more games I can yeah. Play play well lifetime, like, yeah, possibly play in your
1: lifetime,
4: yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, that...
3: all of them are RPGs. So some of them are computer games. Mm. I'm sorry, that's true.
4: No, I was just saying for those that didn't l- l- listen last week, and didn't know what we're talking about. There are on itch.io. There's a bundle for Ukraine that you get absolutely like a thousand uh, different items for ten dollars, uh, and that goes towards supporting Ukraine. And they have a second one uh, which is tabletop RPGs for trans rights, and you get. Think about like is it like four five hundred uh for five yeah, dollars, and uh, it's a that really goes towards deal. supporting yeah. um
2: mm-hmm.
4: trans rights organizations in Texas. Yes,
2: it's
1: very so. much need the money. But we
4: talked about that last week, so we won't yeah. go into yes. too much yeah. detail.
1: Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. In case you missed last week's excellent episode and guest,
1: yeah. but we have our own tour now, sometime soon as well, which is cool.
4: Yes, it's in development currently. Yeah. Uh, it's it's in layout,
1: <laughs> mm. so... All right, all right, so... Oh, yeah, there was one last thing, very last thing. So, um, Renegade Game Studios, is doing uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers and Power Rangers and all that kind of line of stuff... Fun. Mm-hmm. ...has announced some accessories for those games.
2: Ooh. Ooh.
1: Miniature sets. Shocking. So, if it has been your lifelong ambition to own... Power Rangers miniatures, now is your chance. You can now get Power Rangers miniatures. Oh. Did
3: they not have, like... What's the name for dolls? Uh, Action figures already.
1: Um, Yes, but they're a bit too large to use as miniatures. They're larger than
4: minis, aren't they?
1: That's true. Yeah. Um, They've also announced some for G.I. Joe. No. Well, they haven't announced yet is any for Transformers. But if they have announced those, I'm buying those. Because I can't think of many things better than a whole set of miniature Transformers. Like mini size, like a little miniature Optimus Prime. That would be amazing. I don't
4: know if they'll be able to transform, transform at that size. Much.
1: No, probably not, yeah. but that would be so cool. Oh, yeah. But as yet, they haven't announced those, but if they do, that's a definite sell for me. You'd need some very small hinges. Uh, right, I oh, think yeah. that we have now finished the news. Oh, EN Live, did we, did we, did we, did we yes, we that, we should yeah? it? About EN that. Live launched. <laughs>
4: Yes. Woo! Uh, woo! We did it. We did it. Yeah. yeah. yeah we um, talked all about know, it last
1: week, so people should know what it is. But it did launch on it did.
4: what did it launch Monday? Monday. 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 You were there. Oh, I was, there. So, yeah, I was yeah, there. yeah, on Monday we did our first episode of not Dungeons and Dragons live stream, mm-hmm. uh, not D and D. Sorry, live stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we talked about Awfully Cheerful Engine, which is an RPG, <laughs> which is not. D&D.
1: And who's on Mondays? And
4: Monday. on Monday, we are doing Dread, not Judge, as in Dread, as in the horror kind of tense Jenga cards version uh, of the RPG. Yes. Uh, so we're talking about that.
2: that exactly and I'm going
4: to update the website with our upcoming guests, because we've got everyone booked in for March now, and I'm just securing ah. April.
2: Oh, who have we
1: got? Who have we got? Who have we
4: got? Uh, yeah, so we've got Ebediah uh, to come and talk about Dread mm-hmm. next week on the 14th Ooh. of March. Yep. Uh, on the 21st of March we have uh, Matthew Dawkins who's going to talk about Ooh. the They Came From series which has uh, a range of uh, different things. And mm. then on the 20th of March we have John Harper to talk about Lasers and Feelings. Excellent. Nice.
2: No, uh, well so that's done. the
4: March lineup, uh, which is very exciting. And I'm talking to lots of other exciting people in April, and we're just securing the dates. And when I have those, I will update them on the website as well awesome. and do things for that, so awesome. you can know what's going on. Uh, but not only have we got Mondays, our live scre- stream on Monday evenings. that We also have today that went out is this week in tabletop RPG, Ooh, I uh, which seen is that? Uh, it's uh, yeah, it literally I put it on right before <laughs> we started doing this. I finished <laughs> editing it, um, so pretty much all the news we just talked about here, uh, which took like. You know, half an hour or so. 55 on this minutes,
1: in fact. It's 250. Well, unless right recording, but Ooh. when we edit it, it'll
4: probably be less. But let's say it's yeah. half an hour. Well, a it might instead. be longer.
1: Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: but instead, yes, if yes. you don't have half an hour to sit and listen to all the news and details, uh, this is 90 seconds of news. So, a really quick bulletin so you can have a listen. And if there's something that interests you, you can tune in uh, to this very podcast here and listen to it, or go to uh, right. emworld.org and read more details about it. Um, but it's just a quick 90 seconds telling you what's going on, and keeping you updated, and they will uh, be out every Friday and they'll go out on kind of all our social media platforms. So if you go to EM Publishing RPG on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, everywhere like that, Facebook, uh, we'll, just, we'll just put those video videos out there every Friday.
1: Yeah. Or you can From just amazing. go to the EN Live website and the URL that is?
4: ENLiveRPG.com uh, and that, Ooh. if you click on the link that is for um, this week in Tabletop RPG, it'll have all the links to all our socials as well.
1: <laughs> Lovely. Yen Liver Yes.
4: Yen Live RPG. Yes.
3: RPG. <laughs> Dear no, I mean, I'm very impressed. Got it down to 90 seconds. The best I could manage was about eight minutes. Mm. But, yeah.
4: Well, I did just kind of, you know, do the this, this summary of what it is. So the idea mm, is mm. that it just leaves, leaves you wanting to know more so you can always have a listen Amen. somewhere else. Or if it's mm. something that's. Not your vibe, then you can just not bother listening to it. But yeah, that's what we'll do each week. So it's just a quick ninety second. This is what it is, and yeah. just links people to find out more information if they want to learn more about yeah.
1: stuff. What I might do is I'll once it's on YouTube, I'll embed that on Ian Road as well as an article, but it's a, it's a video. Okay. That might be a good a good way to do yeah. it as well. Just to, just, yeah. just, to, just to get just to get more eyeballs on it.
4: Sure, sure.
3: So. I've planned our journey.
4: Planned our journey? What on Ellis are you talking about?
3: Our journey? I've planned it.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I heard you. I just don't understand you. What, what does that mean?
3: Well, I've meticulously calculated the amount of supply we'll need, carefully mapped out a route which skirts the line between safety and speed, and marked the location of all the havens along the way.
1: Ah, We wizards are usually fond of academic work, but even I think that's too much.
4: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of effort. The GM normally just hand waves all that stuff.
3: Ah, he didn't get the memo. We're now using the new advanced journey rules.
4: Journey rules?
3: Yes. They give the journey portion of the adventure more depth and create a sense of immersion into the world.
1: Hey now, I have lived here for nigh 50 years and the last thing I need is more immersion into the world. It's all about verisimilitude.
4: It's all about the or what now?
1: I think our friend here is referring to the illusion of reality. They're saying it makes our environment feel true and authentic.
4: Well, that Albert bite last week felt pretty darn true and authentic to me.
1: I know, right? And that pit trap, you know, the one with the flaming spikes and the zombies, wasn't exactly lacking in verisimilitude. Yes,
3: yes, but that's not what I mean. This makes the journey part of the story rather than just a mechanism to transport us from one adventure location. To another.
1: Part of the story?
3: Yes. It takes a normally overlooked aspect of adventuring, makes a compelling and detailed pillar of exploration.
4: Pillar of exploration? Can't we have a feasting rules instead? A nice feasting pillar.
3: Feasting rules? I don't follow.
4: Well, if we're going to enhance an aspect of the world, perhaps we can enhance the stuffing your face with food and ale part, rather than the mosquito squatting and mud squelching part.
3: Well... That's not exactly adventurous, is it?
4: It is the way I do it.
3: Where would we be if that hobbit, uh, what's his name? Frodo. Yes, Frodo. Where would we be if Tolkien had just skipped the journey, part of the story?
1: Well, we'd have a much shorter book, that's for sure. If I was Frodo, I'd be pretty grateful, frankly.
4: Yeah, it's not like he enjoyed walking all the way to Mordor.
1: Quick, hop to Mordor, drop the ring in, Bob's your uncle. No need for that traipsing up and down hills and trudging through forests and swamps and sleeping in dank, smelly caves. Yeah, who
4: needs that?
1: That is not the point. Well, what is the bleeding point,
3: then? The point is that the journey is the story.
4: Pretty boring story, if you ask me.
3: Look, these new journey rules are pretty simple. We just need to work out how long it will take us to reach the Westwatch Peaks, make sure we have enough supply on us, and leave the rest to the GM.
4: Leave the rest of what to the GM? It sounds like we're the ones doing all the hard work here.
3: Well, she's going to tell us about the encounters we have along the way.
1: Random encounters? Really? We tired of those 30 years ago. There's only so many bandits you can encounter along the road. Random encounters can be fun. It's not just bandits. There might be
3: exploration challenges like a broken bridge, or a social interaction with a knight looking for her lost love.
4: Oh, yay, obstacles. Just what I need more of in my life.
3: And you can get XP and other rewards from them.
4: Okay, now I'm listening. Uh, XP, you say?
3: And other rewards, you know, treasure and stuff.
4: Did I hear the
3: word treasure?
4: Well, my friend, you have me convinced. You know, you really did bear the lead there.
3: Is a matter of perspective, I suppose.
4: Perspective schmismective. Now onwards to treasure and glory.
2: It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name.
1: So, it's time to play our favourite game. The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter. And you try and guess what it is from just the name. Are you ready? No. Hell yeah.
4: Woo.
1: What happened last week?
4: We both mm. got zero points. Oh <laughs> 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 I'm <am> so <laughs> terrible at this game. I... Let's do it.
1: Like, practice it. makes perfect.
3: You played it right so. twice, Jess. Come you, on.
4: you say practice makes perfect, but Peter's done it how many times? And he also got zero points <laughs> I'm <because> <laughs> so. <laughs> I,
3: I, I just bad so. that it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Who would like to go first? Would you like to go first try I?
4: I'll I'll go first. I'll rip the Woo. the the plaster off.
1: Okay, okay.
4: Or the band aid, as our American friends would say.
1: Yeah. All right. Are you ready, Jess? No,
4: but let's let's get on with it anyway.
1: What is Astro Inferno?
4: Astro Inferno. Well, Inferno implies that it's going to be quite hot. Maybe something hellish. And the Astro, um, is either Astro turf, so it's hockey players, or something spacey. So I I prefer the idea that it's hockey players. So I'm going to say it's about hockey players in hell (laughs) and they're having the wildest, uh, they're a hockey team and they got transported into hell and uh, they're having their various adventures of discovering why they got there and how they escape. And I'm going to make an assumption that it's a fifth edition, you know, using that system because maybe I'll get a point there.
2: Hmm. Well, I'll
1: tell you what They will give you a point for the awesome idea
4: <laughs> okay. But it's not that Okay, yeah, yeah I didn't think it was
1: <laughs> A point A point for creativity
4: Thank you yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! Is it 5th edition?
1: Uh, No
4: Okay, nothing, nothing
2: <laughs> Okay Tell so us what it is
1: Beyond grimdark Tabletop RPG Of epic violence And fantastic despair
4: I still don't Go know right. what it is No Yeah,
1: yeah uh let's have a look then so a tabletop role-playing game in a beyond grimdark setting create blackened legendary tales in an ambient heavy world a brand new system for creating and leveling characters and their epic gear filled to the brim with glorious heretic art easy to play hard to survive but is death really the end
4: is death really the end is it based in hell because that does sound like it's in hell
2: Oh. Or some um, sort of
4: afterlife space Is hell. death really the end And that's Swirling. kind of what I said Minus the hockey players uh,
1: <laughs> Which means,
4: But I guess you could create Hockey player I'm characters squirting, I'm squirreling
1: I'm, squirting, I'm squirting,
4: You could create I'm a hockey team And
3: uh, uh, there's I nothing mean, to stop I mean, you are, are I'm guessing church is a is a Is a different take on this game heard, but yeah, <laughs> It's all, oh, I've, okay. got. It's all it I've got It's all I've
1: got I think it is, I think <laughs> it is. It's either, If it's not in hell It's related to hell
4: Some sort oh. of in some Negative afterlife
1: yeah, it's, um, it's a, it, the, pro- the problem is a lot of these previews, mm-hmm. there's screenshot previews, and the text is so small I can't actually read them.
4: Okay.
1: So it well, talks about satanic creeds and churches.
4: Satanic, there we go. Sort of, yeah. It's from Studios. I feel i
1: like my point um, A unique host of playable souls. Six forms, the Undying, the Dark Soul, the Nano Suit, the Satanic Entity, the Genesis Machine, and Lilith. Eight destinies being a Jaeger. Is it Jaeger or Jaeger? Jaeger?
3: Jaeger. Hunter mm-hmm.
1: in German. Knight, Mystic, Necronaut, Deathweaver, Artisan, Muse, and Rare, Blood. D20-based system. Okay. And it's Swedish.
4: There you go. I can okay. tell you that also. I it's feel I earned like, uh, my point then. So there was a little bit of, <laughs> little bit of infernal hell. And yeah. in theory, there's nothing to stop you making your party a group of hockey players.
3: So it's no longer a pity point.
1: <laughs> well, it's doing really well. It had a uh, a um, nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine euro goal, mm-hmm. and okay. it's done over a hundred thousand euros.
4: Wow, that's exciting! They must yeah, be really so pleased with that.
1: Doing really well. Right, so one point to S. Peter, yes. One Let point. What you got? What? One point to equalise. Two to win. What is mm-hmm. Zin? Z i n never dies Hmm.
3: sin never dies mm. hmm. interesting this feels like i feel like it's going to be an indie game that's what i'm hoping for and it's playing around with the concept of immortality in a sort of a captain scarlet fashion you know like Zin cannot be killed because no matter what sort of crazy predicaments they find themselves in, Zin just like keeps getting back. Um, so maybe it's like a, a duet style game that would be quite interesting. And you are yeah you're sort of exploring the world as Zin to try and find out more about it. So a cross between Captain Scarlet with shades of Super Meat Boy in a indie role playing game system. Hmm, that's what I'm getting from the name. What is, what is it actually?
1: It's not that, no. It
2: no, is
1: no. a fantasy world inspired by mm-hmm. classic Japanese animated films, fairy tale charm, and folklore darkness. Oh. oh no. It's a standalone RPG, mm-hmm. a book which contains the core rules, a player guide, game master guide, seven original species, ten unique mm-hmm. lands, and fifty strange creatures. Mm-hmm. It's a role-playing game, both charming and spooky. Enter a world of masks and spirits where the gods are real, but you'll wish they weren't. A world where slugs wear suits of armour. I'm interested now. In colossal oh. gods visit four times a year, and strange little masked people emerge from empty caves with no face and no memories.
3: Hmm. I was say, with the slugs, I was picturing them wearing like a little suit and tie, Yeah. And business, they walked yeah. into yeah. a full plate armour. I'm like... <laughs> Both dead. How, the How they work yeah. the
1: yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so um, again, this one is funded. It's done really well. It had a 7,500 euro goal. Mm-hmm. It's a German German game, and it's done 20,000 euros. as well.
3: Nice,
1: nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Jesse's turn. Oh, great.
4: Okay.
1: Second round. Yeah. What is Fur Haven?
4: Fur Haven.
1: Fur Haven.
4: Is it an RPG <laughs> for furries?
1: <laughs> well, are you asking me or telling me
4: I, I don't, I'm not sure I don't know
1: <laughs> um, aren't all RPGs for furries I think it's really?
4: definitely no. you're playing some anthropomorphic animals that are furry in some way so similar to a tabaxi or something um, yeah I think that's just is it an RPG for furries that's my guess <laughs>
1: <laughs> um Go big, go home. You mm. do play anthropomorphic animals.
4: Yes, one point.
1: <laughs> animal world of Alloria. It's a five E setting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, I
4: should have guessed uh, that. It would have been. Yeah, so a yeah, good it's
1: a five E setting where you play animals, talking animals.
4: Yeah, it sounds like I was right.
1: Yeah, I can give you a hundred point. points for that.
4: Yeah, you now on one
1: hundred and one points. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a boxed set. It's got three D printables. Ooh. It's like high production values. It looks nice. Um, hmm. Wow, yeah, and um, they've what? got loads of accessories. They've got dice towers and GM <laughs> screens and minis and all sorts of stuff. Dice cups, a tea, a tea kettle, a tea kettle, okay. a tea kettle, uh, a tea kettle.
4: <laughs> That's not One an accessory KT. I thought, but I guess wow.
1: when wow, you're gaming, okay.
4: you yeah, sure, a cup you, of tea, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I have, yeah, Ooh. I have a cup of tea when I'm gaming.
1: They've got a dog there that looks exactly like Dog Tanyan, but he's got a battle axe.
4: What Ooh. animals can you play? So, dogs, clearly.
1: Let me have a look at the list. It's oh, dogs, cats.
4: Anything furry mammals, I guess. Otters. A possum. I oh, I hope a raccoon. That would be good. <gasps> yeah. That would be what I'd play. Little trash oh. panda. I know, right. I
1: don't think there is a list. There's no oh.
2: list. Oh,
4: that's
1: sad. Not even on the stretch goals. Sad times. There's no I actual, actual list of what animals you can play. We can Maybe trash it's bander.
4: any animal that your imagination...
1: Maybe, Ooh. so
4: we could be raccoons then.
1: You could be raccoons, yeah.
4: yeah. That are part I don't, of no, the team.
1: It might, it might say so buried in the text there somewhere, but I'm not easily seeing a list of okay. Um, animals.
2: Okay, but you cool. play animals,
1: and you just got 100 points. So we well done. Yes. Okay. So last one is, this
2: is the best I've ever done.
1: Peter. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, what is
2: mm-hmm.
1: shiver Gothic?
2: Ooh,
3: interesting. So clearly going to be some sort of horror, where uh, gothic.
2: Hmm,
3: gothic says to me, sort of castles, draft, drafty horror, drafty corridors. Maybe you're on a moor or something, looking out uh, a blasted heath. That's what you want. Not, yes. not one of these regular bit of moorlands, proper blasted heath where it's like, oh mm. no, I don't. Mm,
1: Shades of Kate Bush now. Mm.
2: <laughs>
3: what can I say? What can I say? Like uh Wuthering, no, Wuthering Hikes, the Wuthering Heights to role playing game is like my starting <laughs> point. That sounds
4: uh, really good, actually. Just that uh, someone should make does
2: it exactly move? that. Does it
3: yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I, I, if you if you got the aesthetic. And then something to support it, uh, I think, the, um, I'm hoping for, yeah, sort of horror, but with melodrama, the opportunity to not really fight monsters, but more to run down corridors away from them. So, like, probably quite a strong romance of relationship yeah. sort of thing.
4: Yeah.
3: But I'm, Audacity I'm still here. will
4: keep recording him, so...
3: Uh, Audacity will keep going, recording me. Um, so, let's see what we've got. Oh, there we go. Yes. So... Hmm. So, the problem is, I'm making all these guesses about what's in it. So, <sighs> long corridors, romance mechanics, uh, being able to just run around and run away from monsters rather than fighting them is, I think, a very important part of
1: it. And it's very much uh, focused on building tension. Oh, I think you're a million miles off. You're surfing it. So, yeah. Shiver... Mm-hmm. Is an existing tabletop roleplay game, which nice. is Tales of the Mysterious, the Peculiar, and the Strange.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So this one, Shiver Gothic, is when you bring classic horror to the Shiver game. Mm. So, you know, Dracula and things oh. like that. Oh, okay. To to an existing, existing game. Hmm. So I don't think um, you're a million miles away. The uh, classic tales of Gothic horror, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Edgar Allan Poe, you fight the dark forces in the Spire Home, and stones, stories, or create your own gothic adventures.
4: Yeah, that sounds pretty much like what you were saying, really, isn't it? Yeah,
1: you're kind of circling it, pretty much. Yeah, I'll give you 75 points for that.
3: That's very generous.
1: Yes, I think so. So what does that make mm-hmm. the final scores? Well, I've
4: got, got unscored and
1: 75.
3: 101 to 75? I've
4: got 101.
3: Apparently my first guess was so awful it didn't deserve a score.
2: Zero.
1: Right, right. I mean, I got the system right. I can't even remember it. So if I can't remember it, it's zero. That's the rules. That's what the spreadsheet says. Wow. That's just how it works. I'm not deciding these things. I'm just a messenger. I don't make the rules. I just enforce the rules. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. So that does mean that Jess is the winner.
4: Oh, my goodness. One point. What a a time to be alive.
1: Yes. Yes. Jess, you get to take home the trophy. Which Excellent. is a smug sense of self satisfaction.
4: I'll carry that with me all day.
1: You should. Put it, yeah. it on your shoulder. That's a good place to put it. Like yeah. a little para.
4: OK. Yeah. <laughs> it's there.
1: OK. It's there I believe you. Hey, so Peter, I was, uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good looking people. Cool. Good lucky that could only be our patrons yep man i have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life yeah right you know why is that i don't know you tell me
3: well if i was forced to speculate i guess it's because they listen to our top secret super exclusive bonus episode every week bonus episode what yeah each week our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow! That's
1: amazing! Where can they find this?
3: Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth.
1: I did a a scientific calculation once, just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah? How much? Uh, You probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little.
3: That's patreon.com slash morris. and thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without
1: you. I reckon we could. Shh. right, then. Time to talk logistics.
4: That's Logistics,
1: logistics, logistics. Logistics.
4: Yes.
1: Yes. So, what we're going to try and do is demystify the process from having a finished PDF book on your desktop yeah. to that book dropping in through someone's letterbox in the form of a hardcover book and all the steps in between that are required for that to happen.
2: Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: this is stuff that I definitely did not know when I started in the industry and yeah. kind of had to figure out. Yeah. Mm. And I think, it you know, this might be really, really useful to people who are just kind of like launching a Kickstarter, wondering how they're going to handle fulfillment or something like that. And I haven't done it before. This might be mm-hmm. really useful. It might not be useful. I don't know. But let's hope <laughs> it is. Let's try and make it useful.
4: Okay. Well, yeah. I'll do all my right. best. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, the shipping and fulfillment part is kind of where I come in with EM Publishing because Russ kind of heads up all the creative things to actually making the the, the product You know, like you say, having the PDF, so writing the story, getting the artwork, doing all the layout, all that stuff, which is a whole job in itself. Uh, And I think a lot of people get into RPG writing and creating because they enjoy that side of it mm. uh, so the shipping logistics bit is normally not what people are about mm. um so what i'd say is <laughs> so, many yeah, so, many, so many spreadsheets mm. uh so what i'd say is if you're a bit intimidated at first don't be too much because you can you can learn you can people can you know you can learn about it and also the best thing i'd say is get good partners to work with that know more about things than you that's just mm. general life advice is work with people that know what they're doing but yeah, so I'm going to talk through kind of the whole process. So so the process when you have a, a PDF on your um, computer is you will need to, first of all, get it printed somewhere. So you'll need to choose where you're going to get it printed. So mm. I'm going to do a little mm-hmm. overall summary and then I'll go back and talk about each of the things in detail. So you'll need to get it printed somewhere. Yes. And then once it's printed, you will need to get it from where it has been printed to where you're going to fulfill it from. So like your warehouse, for example. Mm. Or perhaps if it's your first Kickstarter, it's your house.
1: Yes. Or it could be a fulfillment company.
4: Yeah. Which will do, so many do that things. bit for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll need to get it from the printers to your warehouse. Hmm. And then once it's there, you'll need to get it from your warehouse to fulfillment, which means it gets going to people's houses, to their front door. So they're kind of the... basic steps and I just made that sound very easy and that's what it is to it (laughs) there's a side bit there when
1: you go into distributors as well but that's slightly separate
4: yeah I'm just talking and for now I'll just talk about fulfillment for like a Kickstarter or Mm -hmm. pre-orders for for a product you've got because i think if you're at the point where you're dealing with distributors and stuff you've probably had a little bit of experience um but yeah mm. so going back to so those are kind of the steps you need to get it printed you need to get it from the printers to your warehouse you need to get it from your warehouse to the individuals mm. so that's kind of the steps so the first thing with the printer really easy
1: so you just do that and it's done wow
4: so you just that's do
2: quick. that oh
3: quick but the thing is, you've got like a lot of choices because not everybody yes. is producing free melee weapon sized books, mm. mm-hmm. uh, like Level Up. In fact, and that definitely okay. wasn't even your first Kickstarter, right. to be fair. No. Well, let's use Level Up
1: as the example, though. let's oh, tell yeah, we'll people what up we as did as with Level Up, level up okay. at each stage mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way to do it. Other people mm-hmm. might make different choices to us, yeah. but we'll explain what we did and why we made each choice. How about go and just go yeah. through. So Level 100%. Up kind of comes into your life in the form of a PDF.
4: Yeah. It does, yeah. So yeah. So a completed um, PDF,
1: and that's where you
2: step in. Yeah, so, so that's one, when I,
4: I step in. So what I do hmm. is um, we have chosen for this campaign to work with a printer in uh, Europe. Hmm. Uh, and that's because we worked with them before, so we know them, we hmm. work with them. And also it's easy for us to get the products into our European and UK customers that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So, that's what, so that's why we chose to do that. Other people might make different choices. Some people just do a print-on-demand service, but we decided to kind of print a whole load with... um with the printers there using the money we got from our Kickstarter. Mm,
2: mm.
4: So, yeah, so we we chose to work with them. So there's always a bit of a dance with getting the files right for printing because you'll have two different (laughs) – so this is where you'll have a good uh, kind of graphic designer doing your layout for you because – A patient
1: mm. graphic designer. A
4: patient (laughs) graphic (laughs) designer. Yeah. mm. Because all different printers will have slightly different settings and they'll need things slightly differently, so they'll give you a specific layout – Uh, that you'll need to use, like have a specific bleed on it. And they'll also need to make sure that when you print it out, the way that colours are shown and the PDF has to be coded in properly so it prints out properly on the paper. So it's kind of complicated
1: stuff that a layout designer person understands and we don't really understand what it means. We just pass messages between the printers and the layout people. That's exactly what I do. So
4: myself and and nowadays uh, Zin, our publishing administrator, she um, Mm. generally liaises between the printer and the layout artist we have. And there's usually a back and forth and a few iterations of getting it just right. So we'll mm-hmm. send a file to the printers and they'll say, yeah, we look like this. But just so you know, page 24, there's it needs to be 100% black on this image and it's only 60% and it will look funny in the print. So there's, there's a lot of that and so there's a lot of attention to detail that happens. And that mm. can take a couple of weeks to get to get yeah. that bit done.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and usually with, with Level Up, we kind of knew we were funded quite early on, luckily. So we yeah. used that time. Uh, whilst the campaign was running to kind of tweak kind of the print files and get them ready because we knew we were going to mm. be able to print them because the Kickstarter mm-hmm. had funded. Um, mm. So we were just waiting to confirm how many of them, you know, we were going we to print. So we started doing that kind of dance and then we confirmed with them how many we wanted. And there is a whole art to confirming how many you want to print. Because mm. when you're doing your first print run, you want to print enough, obviously, for all of your Kickstarter backers that you have. Yes. You want to print a little over that amount um, because whenever you do a fulfillment, sometimes some books will get damaged or lost Mm. or or things will happen. And so, usually, I'd say do about 5% over what you'd need, roughly, as a rule of thumb. Obviously, it depends on the scale. Mm. Can we
3: talk about the scale of the level up Kickstarter? I mean,
1: how many books? How many individual books did we end up printing? Total. I know it's forty three pallets. Oh so I know that. But I don't know how many books that was. It was
4: forty three pallets, which is two trucks <laughs> worth yes. of books. Uh so it was thousands. I know just yeah. we ordered like two and a half thousand of just one of the books. And yeah. we've ordered like what is it, like four different books that are coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's about
1: fifteen thousand books in total, I think.
4: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell you that looking, but it's we have level up is a really big kickstarter so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, to be fair,
1: compared to some i mean imagine how many avatar is printing like, I mean, hundreds true. of thousands of books i would imagine that's 80, true. backers. Many backers them
4: are probably doing waves they'll do waves of fulfillment though yeah
2: then. yeah mm-hmm.
4: so the printers will do a batch then send that over and, mm. and so on and so forth um but all of ours mm. was they were all printed and finished and then two trucks uh this week Left mm. the printers. Um, so, uh. yeah, so the printers had the files and they printed them. They also send you um, – sometimes they send you – if you're working with the printers for the first time, I'd recommend you having them send mm. you a physical copy. They'll, do. Mm. They're like, print one and then send mm. it to you to be like, is this right? And a then you have a copy. look at it. Yeah. We worked with these printers a lot before, so we built a lot of mm. trust of them. So we just did a photograph one. So they printed one, mm. sent me a video file and photos of it. We're like, is this good? And mm. I was like, yes. Mm. So we we did that kind of method for this one just to speed up the fulfillment.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is might be worth talking about is some of the costs involved with that and Mm -hmm. the way the economies of scale work and how much those costs go down according to how many you print and comparing that, say, to print on demand. Because a lot of people think, why would I do that over print on demand? And I think maybe it's not immediately apparent how much cheaper it is to print an offset than it is to do print on demand. Yeah, well, because the books
3: will level up are thick and meaty hard hardcover ones yes i mean it wouldn't even be feasible really to do them in soft cover right.
1: so i did um uh i went on drive through for the mm-hmm. adventurer's guide for level up mm-hmm. to just work out how much it would cost to print a premium quality so they're good quality mm-hmm. version um yeah. a copy of the 600 page hardcover adventurer's guide using mm-hmm. their print on demand service yeah. came to about hundred dollars to print just to physically print it before you are making any profit for one book now that same book printed by standartu do you recall offhand how much we're paying per book
4: uh i I think it's around like five euros or so yeah yeah
1: Yeah. so it's a 20th price yeah less yeah yeah, less than
4: that so So that's that's
1: why you'd do this rather than print on demand because you can't sell a hardcover book to people and charge them 150 dollars they're not going to, nobody's going to buy that off you. I, I, I mean, if you can, then Monty Cook Games has openings available now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. So, so yeah, there's definitely a, a level you need to be at. So you need to be printing a certain volume to make it worth your while to go to a printer's. Because if you only do a print run of a few hundred, actually the cost per book comes out quite high because there's mm. some setup costs for printing. It's similar with board mm. games because I used to work in board game manufacturing as well. And it's the more copies you're printing, the cheaper per unit is. Mm. It, it is. So if you're doing your first Kickstarter, maybe it's worth, you could plan to do a print on demand, but if it goes really well, you could pivot and then choose to, to do a print mm. run with with a printer. Yeah. And that would just be working out with a spreadsheet, the different costs based on the different numbers, which is mm. very fun and exciting, but is an important part mm. of it. And one thing I would say is it's really important to make these decisions prior to your Kickstarter launching, because that will impact Mm. the timeline that you tell your your backers. Because if you're doing print on demand, it's a lot quicker because you've already got the PDF. You can check that while the campaign's running and then you just send it out. And the time Mm. is just the time it takes for them to print it and ship it, which can be like a week or so, Mm. which is great. But if you're working with a printer, it takes a lot longer. Um, So it's important to know which one you're doing so you can inform your backers right from the start when you're going to be delivering it to them Mm -hmm. and give them that schedule, because I think that's important for people to know.
3: And and not all of the Kickstarter rewards for Level Up have been printed at the warehouse. Some of them are print on demand. I refer, of course, to the Gate Pass Gazette. Oh, yeah, that's not part of the Kickstarter,
1: though,
3: is it? uh... Oh, I thought it was part of the stretch goals.
1: Uh, uh, I, I think I think we gave a uh, copy of it free to Kickstarter backers, but it's a it's a separate yeah. Patreon. Is the Kate Ruskin Gazette, isn't
4: it? Yeah, uh, it's a separate yeah Patron that gets yes, funded yes, but for I, the magazine I was about and that is print and demand. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, but but I mean it's a it is it is a different product. I'm holding it up like that will be any use to our listeners. <laughs> but for those for those who are unfamiliar, I got one printed out because well yeah, you know, I sort of had to, <laughs> and it's uh, what thirty seven pages, mm. which is a very yeah. respectable size resine and is. Really good mm, yeah. for print on demand. I feel
4: definitely that's the exactly the sort of product that would be good for print on demand. And obviously, we have a lot less mm. people that have subscribed to uh, the Get Pass Gazette than would we'll, would you know have yeah. bought all the books and things like that. And we do our like quick
1: starters via print on demand as well.
4: Yeah, mm. and that's why they're, they're so we can quick. get those out
1: quickly. Yeah. and then yeah. Um,
4: but these campaigns we have physical books printed and then we can kind of control the level of quality and we can also do special deluxe editions which we've done with mm. this one as well yes. so nice collector's editions
2: yeah
1: and I ribbons ribbons ribbons, and ribbons. Stuff.
4: ribbons oh. for everyone a printer can do all
1: sorts of stuff that print on demand can't? they can print inside the covers they can pr- give you ribbons or leatherette covers they can do all yes. sorts of things that, uh, mm. that a print on demand outfit can't do uh, I have
3: two large similar to level up size rule books and you know what one ribbon between the pair of them. I'm not going to name and shame your first, but they should, they should
1: feel bad. Well, I'm, hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping to have my leatherette ribboned copies oh. of like in, in a couple of weeks now. I can't wait. Yeah, yes. it should be. So,
4: so using Level Up mm-hmm. as the example. So we've done that, that journey with the printers. So we decided how much we were going to uh, print, and that was what we needed for the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. 5% over for that, uh, mm-hmm. and then some to sell uh, to retail and uh, conventions mm. and things mm. afterwards yeah. and we estimated this by looking at previous products we sold how much did we sell over mm. a year or so mm. um because we're and we're always a bit conservative of that because we're like well if we run out we can always mm. do a second print run and mm. uh, so it's mm. better to have it's not good to have stock sitting in a warehouse because you pay mm. Mm. pay for that sitting there.
3: Yeah, and so you yeah. have to pay for the warehouse space as well. And we yes. do,
4: yes. And I'll come yeah. onto I'll come onto that mm. when we talk about warehousing and, and fulfillment partners and things.
1: Yeah. Well, there is another consideration there, of course, is that if you end up splitting a print, when you end up paying more because of the economies of scale. So if you, if you can figure out how many you need to, for retail beforehand, it's better to do mm. it as part of the one big print yes. run rather than yes. two separate ones. And also nice. the,
4: the shipping cost as well, which is yeah. a really significant factor now. Which, mm-hmm. um, So we have been going through a thing for the last two years called the shipping crisis. Shipping
2: crisis. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> which is great. And actually 2020 was when I started really heavily working in logistics. I was working um, as a sales and operations manager for a board game company and then a global oh. pandemic happened. So that was a wild time. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, so pretty much it, everything's got really expensive and the kind of in a in a you know, in a nutshell why that's happened is cause
2: mm.
4: of because of COVID, less planes have been going in the air and less transport mm. things. So that there's been less spaces to send products and, and freight around. Yes. And also less boats have been going around. So containers have been going from port A to port B. And normally port B would be then picking up those empty containers and reusing them to send them to Port C and so on. Mm. But not as many have been going around. So port B has just been building up loads and loads of containers. Mm. And Port C Good. doesn't have any containers left. And so there's right. been this logistical issue with ships and things like that, which is why it's got so expensive. Mm. Um, so, and because the way it works, when, if you're sending a large amount of, of books by, by sea freight, which I'll, I'll come mm. on to, but just to explain this with the, the shipping costs, the way it works is if you imagine a shipping container like a Tetris, it's full of little blocks. Yeah. You yeah. are bidding, because unless you're filling up a whole container, then you'll just book that for yourself. But that's quite a yeah. big space. And a lot of people aren't yeah. doing that. You're You're booking a section of that you're booking wow. an X number of tetra squares. And what you're doing is each square, is you're bidding for it is pretty yes. much how it works. So it depends how many people want to be on that container. They'll charge more. And if no one wants it, it's a lot cheaper. So it depends on how busy it is. So you can kind of time it at different times of year as well. Because if you think in the run-up to yeah. Christmas, September time, it's going to be more expensive to ship something because everyone wants mm. to get all their things out ready into retail for November. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how that works, and because of the shipping crisis, because um, containers were in random places, and it meant that the price went up significantly because there was still the demand, but there just wasn't the space there. So um, shipping mm. containers prices went up about you know three to five times mm. the cost. Wow. It was it was, and it was so hard for people that had already priced their Kickstarters a certain way, ba- expecting it to be at X cost. And then, mm. you know, pandemic happened and then suddenly their shipping costs had had doubled. Yeah. And it, that's why you saw a lot of Kickstarter campaigns sometimes going back to their backers saying, I'm really sorry, we're going to have to charge you more for shipping
2: because mm. mm-hmm. they
4: wouldn't be able to, to afford it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But luckily, we kind of are aware what the prices are. So we were able to set our shipping prices from the beginning, factoring in these mm. costs. So I'll say when you're planning a Kickstarter campaign, really, really important to look at how you're doing your shipping and work out the costs so you know mm. how much to charge your backers. And bear in mind that different parts of the world are going to cost different amounts based yeah. on on where you yeah. send it out. So, so plan that one out and get your costs sorted in advance, because um, otherwise it could come back and bite you. Yeah. and that'll be. And that is that yeah. is,
1: like I said, say, a pain in the ass to do. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's not fun. It's, it's proper spreadsheet work, and it's mm-hmm. not fun. But you get it wrong, you can really mess up your campaign. So you do yeah. have to, you do have to do the work there and actually do it.
4: And- yeah, and I'd say if it's your first campaign or even if you just want a, an easy life, don't be afraid to just limit it to certain parts of the world and just be like, look, we only ship to these countries that's where our well, warehouses is. Anyway.
1: we did that anyway. We did that anyway.
4: Yeah, we've yeah. got some places in the world that we don't ship to because it's just so expensive and also there's issues with the parcels getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, we don't ship to Brazil because um, it's really expensive wow. to ship there and a lot of the time the parcels don't actually reach the end yeah. user.
1: And then we end up oh, having wow. to ship another one at the same incredibly expensive price yeah. and then yeah yeah so yeah. at the moment
4: we just said apologies we don't send them there but that's you know we do the pdf so people can still access those yeah but that's just you know something mm-hmm. we don't do um so don't be able to yeah, so have a look at that before before you set that up but yeah, yeah so that so yeah. we're getting into like the shipping now so i've said we've done the printing yeah. we decided yeah, so how the much print, we the, the print. printing's
1: done so because the printer, done. the printer will ship will send those books to a location of your choice Which in our case is our warehouse in the UK. So you can
4: speak to your printer and some of them offer, they will send it to your destination of your choice and charge you X amount. Mm. Um, I'd say it's worth asking if they do that because it's easy because then they can do a lot of the paperwork for you. Um, So for Mm. example, ours are printed in Lithuania. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, And so they need to come into the UK. There's... Lots of paperwork that mm. <laughs> you need to have. New certain. Uh, yeah, well, there's paperwork for importing yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, and I'd say work with somebody that knows what they're doing to do this. So you mm-hmm. can get a freight forwarding company and they'll handle that for you. And mm. they'll usually ask to make sure you've got, are you registered as a company? Are you registered for VAT or not? And they'll need to know all these things. So kind of have your paperwork in order. So again, when you're working with your printer, when you're just getting quotes for printing, just ask them mm. about, that side of things and so you know in advance mm. what paperwork you kind of need to get mm. for importing depending on where you are in the world because if you're going to the from UK or Europe to the US there's mm. another different different ball yeah. game which I'll come back but again, to again if you're
1: print, if you're printing in the US and you're on a warehouse in the US or something that probably is not Yeah, yeah because
4: yeah. then they'll probably just pop it on a truck and it'll go from A to B yeah. but if yeah. you're in the UK uh, or in Europe mm-hmm. and you're going in different countries bear that in mind as well So that's something we're kind of aware of.
3: And some print-on-demand can be quite easy that way Mm -hmm. because that's why I followed the print-on-demand route with my products because I wanted people to be able to order it and get it online Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to try and fill my house up with a pallet full of books. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
4: Um,
1: Yeah.
3: Um, So wait, wait, wait! You're not.
1: You're not. Those trucks are going to your house, Peter. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> 43 pallets of books are going to be arriving at your house. Yeah, we oh. put your
4: address because you said you'd be in so you could sign for them. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. No worries. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. you've got a forklift or something to lift them off the trucks. Yeah, There's yeah, two trucks coming, yeah?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. It'll okay, be a good great. workout. <laughs>
4: yeah. uh, no, but in seriousness, so the trucks are on their way uh, from yes. Lithuania coming to the UK as we speak. Mm. So we decided to uh, book the with our printer because they uh, offered good rates and I checked with an independent Kind of company to check if the price was price was right, as it were. (laughs) Um, So i say generally try and get three quotes when you're asking for quotes for things because that just gives you enough of an idea of if it's a right ballpark figure. Mm
2: -hmm. So
4: yeah, so we we decided to get that, and they're coming to our UK warehouse, so all the books are going there, Uh, and we have chosen to work with a fulfillment partner. So we work with uh, ShipQuest uh, in the UK, mm. and they do our fulfilment, and they also do our long-term fulfilment for our online shop. So if mm. you buy mm. uh, stock from our shop, they they send it out from yeah. there for us as well.
2: They
1: they do fulfilment for a lot of UK-based um, RPG mm. companies and stuff. So there. Yeah,
4: and board games, and yeah. they're they're all kind of gamers as well, which is quite nice. Yeah. So they know the products you're talking about when you when you talk to them.
3: Yeah. yeah. Oh, here's a question: mm. What have you ever had the situation where you've had? You get your got you got your free quotes from the printers. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had one? Have you ever had a situation where they're just wildly out of sync, like by there's a hundred dollar difference or something between the quotes, or like hundred dollar per unit or something unit? Crazy like that. Per um, unit, wow, yeah. that'd be, um... <laughs> that's an expensive book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like not hundred dollars for all of it, or just it, it just seemed more expensive. Mm.
1: Well, I mean, generally speaking, America's more expensive than yeah. Lithuania.
2: Mm-hmm. Lithuania is
1: mm-hmm. more expensive than China, but shipping yeah. from China is an issue. So, yeah. uh, you know, you balance these things out. For us, Lithuania works out perfect. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. all these things.
4: Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so exa- exactly what Russ said there. So if you do get quotes from different places in the world, you will get wildly different prices, but you have to mm. consider why those prices are different. And, you know, mm. the shipping part of it, yes, it's cheaper per unit to get them printed over in China, but then the shipping mm. costs are more because it's coming You know, from there, instead of just you know, and this
1: apocalypse has affected Chinese freight more than it has European Mm. freight as well.
4: Yes, when I was, like I said, when I was working in twenty twenty, we had just printed a whole load of board games in uh, China, Uh, (laughs) and so that was that was the situation Mm. I was dealing with. Which is fun. Uh, They got there. It was all fine. It was all fine. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah so that so getting from a to b to get into your warehouse so when you then you're going to choose to work um to do fulfillment now working with a fulfillment partner is a lot easy because it means you're not getting games in your house and you're not having to physically manage and pack and do I everything i
1: man- imagine not doing so yeah I was, but there I is saw, a
4: cost that comes with yeah. that because it's it is cheaper it would be cheaper to do it yourself from your house yeah. and then just like do a I post office i saw chris Spivey
1: of darker hue studios on mm-hmm. twitter he was posting pictures of boxes and pallets of books on Twitter, and I think he does it himself. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I some people do, yeah. and you,
4: and it is it, it long, will work out think, cheaper if yeah. you do that. But then it costs you your time, um yes. and it's whether it's what that is worth and, to you. And these
1: are in your house too, yeah. And it's
4: in your house, or you rent a warehouse and you manage that. Mm. So there's and there's lots of different ways, and it really depends on how you want to run your business and do your profit margins. And for us, mm. because it just works out well for us still do that, because we also have the ongoing online shop. We don't mm-hmm. want to be physically sending out books from our home and running to the post office every day. We don't want to be physically day.
1: sending out books from our home.
4: <laughs> we definitely <laughs> oh, don't so- want to be doing that. <laughs> So there's a
3: non-zero chance that Hudson would eat then, and, and that would be a terrible thing to have happen to your sock.
4: Yeah, and we've got to a scale where it's it's possible for us to kind of kind of do that. Um, yeah. So so yes, they'll be going out from the UK warehouse there. However, um, a large part of our customers are in North America, so the Americans and the Canadians, mm. and to post from the UK to there is quite expensive. And so uh, to save money, what we're doing is all the customers from there, we are wrapping and bundling up the gains from the UK warehouse and sending it on from there to our US warehouse. So we have a f- fulfillment partner in the US as well. Um, and this also makes sure we don't have to pa- customers when they receive their packages in North America, don't get like import taxes and uh, things like that coming yeah. in because they will receive their parcel as an end user from the US warehouse. So yeah. what we will do is we will import all the products as bulk so all thousands of them will go
2: Hmm.
4: uh, into the us and then go on to our us warehouse from Hmm. there so that's another shipping cost we have not only we've got from the printers to the first warehouse we go from that warehouse to the 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 second warehouse there um and when you're looking to do that it's worthwhile looking at the costs um sometimes it's worthwhile the the printer Mm -hmm. separating them into two shipments and going directly from the printers to the two warehouses. And sometimes Mm. it's worth sending them all to one place and then separating and sending half of them on. Mm. So just Mm. work out the costs of that. Um, I did a global fulfillment for, again, it was a board game company, but it's very similar Mm. to this. And we um, also use fulfillment partners in Asia and in Australia because we had enough customers in those different regions that it was worthwhile using different fulfillment partners in different areas. Um, So have a look at that. For us, we're just doing UK and uh north uh, north america mm. at the moment
3: yeah and who's the distribution partner in the us
4: uh, we use quartermaster logistics Ooh. and the reason we use them is because they're on the east coast in florida so florida i mm. that florida. they're on the florida. east coast in florida and florida well, well, it's not
3: simply working to florida <laughs> <laughs> and that just
4: means for shipping mm. it's quicker and easier mm. going from because they go from the port in southampton mm. um ah. over to florida and that's direct mm. port there um, and that also means mm. the journey from port to warehouse is, is a lot shorter as yeah. well. Because if yeah. you're,
2: mm. uh,
4: yeah, so that's, so that's where, where we work there. And they're mm. also a very reputable and good company that a lot of yeah. board game and tabletop RPG companies use in the US as well. Mm. Uh, so if you've ordered from a Kickstarter, you might have seen QML on your shipping notification.
3: Mm. It feels like it's really important just to state that a lot of logistic considerations are based upon how easy it is to physically move the stuff. Mm. Yes. Like, we're with ShipQuest because yes. they mm-hmm. are convenient
2: mm-hmm.
3: and useful, well-located. We're using uh, – oh, I don't know what I'm saying, but you're using Quartermaster <laughs> Logistics. Sorry, I wasn't I was I, – I, I worked in the project. It. You're it's, part of it. it. You're part of it. the club. Least, woo, uh, quartermaster Logistics because they're handy for shipping from Southampton, where it's based, to Florida. Yeah, so
1: mm-hmm. that's that's all really important. Yeah. One good thing about a fulfillment partner like that is they mm. know what they're doing. Yeah. when it comes to, for example, shipping from a, a bunch of pallets of books to the yeah. US from the UK is yeah. a logistical, you know, challenge really. to do. Yes. But when someone like Quartermaster, uh, not Quartermaster, uh, ShipQuest, mm-hmm. when they do it for you, they know what they're doing. They've done it a million yeah. times before. They
4: know They know what paperwork needs to doing. fill they out, know, all these things. Yeah, you know,
1: they've they, they got someone, mm-hmm. you know, they've got access to all the trucks and ships they need and you know, they can
3: anticipate problems that you might not anticipate. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. For they're, instance
4: like they have specialists yeah. in shipping freight, so yeah. that's what they do. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so so it's not, it's not we're not on we're not on the phone calling up different, you know, freight companies and we're not booking places no. on ships or or no. filling out for, We know oh. they're doing it all for us. Or, or having to arrange forklifts, like if you've
4: yeah, got exactly. a yeah. load of so, trucks. Yeah, so we
1: don't have to do any of that. Yeah.
4: Exactly. So, yeah, so make your life easier where you can. Uh, yeah, so shipping mm. from the UK to the US, we also have to register as uh, an importer in the US. So we have to mm. apply for it. I think it's called C. PB or number yeah. or something, but there's like an official record we need to have. And luckily, we already did that before with previous ones; that was all set up. Uh, but that'll hmm. be something you need to do if you're planning to import. That, a took, load of that took that took about two in. or three
1: weeks, didn't it? That's, uh, that
4: took a number of weeks because uh, it's yeah. a it's an official government paperwork, so you have yeah. to apply and, and send. And it. And I would in,
1: assume so. that would apply. Something similar would apply similarly to people doing it in reverse. I don't know what it would be exactly, yeah, but yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. So what I'd say is you can work with a, a broker, and they normally sort the paperwork out for you and talk you through a they know what forms you need to fill out mm. and mm. i got them to do this with me i think it was like two three years ago when we first mm. did it It was for like mythological yes. figures yeah. Yeah. that yeah. we did this yeah. process yeah. and yeah. we hadn't been set up so this very patient person uh, mm-hmm. a <laughs> uh, broker was like okay and then on page two jess you need to give us this information yeah. and then sign there and it, they were very like that because it's these really big complicated legal forms and it's really yeah. important because if they're wrong your stock could get stuck at port for like two, three weeks going through customs Mm. because they have to inspect it because you know
3: and that makes you liable you
4: use form 65a and we need 65b so wow we're gonna you know so it's you know there's a lot of red tape so having someone that knows what they're doing and can you know do that for you is is really really useful Mm. so i'd recommend that um yes that's what we're doing kind of for level up so that's the shipping part of it getting it to place to place Mm. and now we're going to be talking about the fulfillment part so it's actually there in the warehouses Mm. how do they get to your kind of front door Now there's a lot of record keeping and kind of backer information and organizing large amounts of data. So we have 6,000 backers for Level Up. And also there's Mm. so many different reward tiers and combinations. So some people will have just booked for one PDF, some have booked five PDFs, Mm -hmm. and some have booked all the books with PDFs and three books, and maybe somebody just wants one book and this and that. And then also we have add-ons. So after you've done your pledge, you can actually just pick bits and pieces. So there's you know hundreds of different combinations so each, each order of is
1: unique basically almost each order is out. kind yeah. of unique
4: yeah. uh, and needs to be checked and sorted so i've spent the the last week we used um Kit, which is the way so that's kind of a pledge manager so which hmm. you might have used if you've been on a kickstarter before so you'll go on there and put your details on there and that's kind of a system that basically makes it easier for us as publishers to kind of organize your data uh, makes it easier for us to give you the option of putting add-ons on. Um, hmm. They also do some marketing support and things beforehand. But this isn't an ad for the back of kit, so you can Google them if you want to know about, more about what hmm. they do. Um, but we hmm. use that to pretty much organize the data and information of everyone's orders. Mm-hmm. And then this week we've kind of organized that together and that's why publishers are so keen to get your address in advance and are very mm. always going on about, okay, you ne- if you're changing address, you need to tell us now because otherwise it's mm. too late. Because at some point, because mm. yesterday I pressed go and I sent all the backer data for the UK uh, to our warehouse because yeah. um, the product's going to arrive next week and mm-hmm. the warehouse needs time to kind of organize and make a plan for what they're doing and, and, and book Print in
3: labels. For stuff. Example. I
4: mean, yeah. that side of it, a I'm a little stuff. ignorant too because mm. I don't do it because we yeah. pay someone else to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I imagine there's a there's a, there's a whole other podcast of stuff mm. that happens on there um, mm. of, of what they need to organize. So They need to have that in advance. And I'm doing it at the moment for our US uh, ones as well so they can plan mm. and book that in because we are not their only customers. You'll be shocked to hear they have <laughs> lots of other mm. Kickstarters. So they need to book in the time to pack and, and organize mm. all of, of our products as well. And so that's kind of the fulfillment stage of it. And it's quite an expensive part of the process. Mm. I've got a fun Mm. spreadsheet I'm tracking. So I've made a note of how much we've charged for shipping. And then I'm just tracking how much we spend on various things to check if we went over or under our estimations. So when we do future campaigns, we know actually we did it about right um, or we really undercharged and we lost several thousand pounds because we did this and, Mm. and we learn as we go. Uh, pretty much. So the fir- mm. we did um, the well, first... Of course, shipping
1: costs can change from week to week mm. anyway. So by the time you finish finished your campaign, yeah. it could be different by the time you're sending it yeah. out anyway.
4: I'd say always overestimate mm. on shipping because it'll be more than you think.
1: And
3: if you have to ship twice because something's happened to it, like you are saying about the yeah. Brazilian parcels, mm. mm-hmm. definitely happens in the UK. If you, if someone, if you have unhappy customers... Yeah. That's no good for anyone.
4: Definitely. And I would say, like I say, like, have 5% over what you need because yeah. that that's roughly amounts that will get lost yeah. or things like that. Yeah. And also, once you've done your fulfillment, there's always, we have about 500 of these people that haven't given us their address yet. And we've emailed them several times. And they just, so clearly they it's just gone into a junk folder and they've, or they've forgotten about it or life has happened, which is fine right. as happens. But that means at some point, any point between now yeah. and in the next six years, that's the oldest one I've had to get in touch with me. Someone right. will email and say, Oh, I, I backed this but I never got it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: uh,
4: and so then we have to ad hoc kind of do later waves of, of those orders. Mm-hmm. And when you can batch mm-hmm. it all together, it's cheaper. So that's generally why we say if you've missed this, you're gonna have to wait two months. Mm-hmm.
2: It's not because mm-hmm.
4: we're just being mean and trying to punish you. It's because mm-hmm. we want to collect all those kind of late comer people and send it out in kind of yes. a, a wave. So it's it's cheaper to do it yeah. that way. And mm-hmm. um, but we, like I say it was like a year ago, we had someone get in touch, and it was a, a campaign they would backed like six years prior. They're like, "I didn't get oh. my soft cover," <laughs> and that is a bit difficult because we don't well, really have it, the data. I
1: remember one person that sent sent us a message, and they oh, yeah. so they they like four four years later or something, they suddenly mm-hmm. entered their address onto the Kickstarter survey system thing, and then like s- seven or eight minutes after doing that, sent us a message. And it was a bad-tempered message demanding where their book was. And I'm like, you know, we can see that you only gave us address seven minutes ago, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is timestamped.
4: And this was also on a Sunday as well that they sent
1: yeah. it. Yeah, but the point is, they're say, I've been waiting four years for this thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well. Oh. oh, I see.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, right. No, but you like gave it, yes, yes, the Kickstarter was four years ago, but you gave us your address seven minutes ago, so...
4: So we, yeah, we we really can't send it to you without your address. That yeah. is an important part of the process. Mm. Um, just knowing who to send it to. And yes, where. yeah. Because we did we try. We
1: did try the random address generator method once, and you know, it was just people a got upset. Then. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that said, we do understand. Like things happen. Like sometimes, if you're moving house, you've got a load of things on your mind. The last thing on your mind is, mm. like, oh, have I updated all my Kickstarter mm. pledges? Um, mm. So you know, things like that happen sometimes. So if if things happen, if as long as you're you're nice and you're honest to us and message us, we'll we'll be nice back to you as well. Because yes. we're, we're people that do back Kickstarters as well. Mm.
2: But
4: yes, yeah, so that's kind of how shipping and logistics works in a bit of a... How we're doing it with Level Up, anyway.
1: Do you think we made it sound more complicated than people were expecting it to be, or less complicated?
4: Oh, I don't know. (laughs) You'd have to ask the people listening. I guess you could tell us.
1: Well, Peter, what would you say? Uh, I
3: think it's definitely interesting to hear. I have had the advantage, of course, of having been on this podcast Mm. for several years now. Mm -hmm. So I'm not entirely ignorant, but there are definitely some things which did catch me off guard, even knowing that they were coming up. Mm. So, uh, fulfilling my own Kickstarter. Uh, Certainly, the proof copies uh, have taken a long time, but I do have them ordered. So, I should really tell my backers that the proof copies will soon be on my way to them. I just don't want to tell them. I don't want to over-communicate, but I don't want to under-communicate.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, over-communication can be a problem, because if you back a lot of Kickstarters... And yes. you're getting Kickstarter updates like twice a day and they're not no. vital. It can get a little bit irritating. So yeah. um, I'm, it's important not I, to
3: communicate. I, I stop reading them. Mm. Uh, so that's why I'm trying to keep my, my Kickstarter communicates to the absolute, like, important, yeah. I, exactly. Important information, I put like, and, you know, it's like sort of my brand, I, I, I have it so that there's like, this is what part of the message is, because <laughs> I assume that the people reading this are going to be quite busy mm. and yeah. will want to be able to find the bits they're looking at. Yeah. And even then, I still had loads of people saying, as soon as the Kickstarter said, oh, where's my print-on-demand voucher? It's like,
2: okay. Mm.
3: <laughs> it's not ready yet, you, you were literally paying for the layout, yeah, so I yeah. could get it done. I mean, that's
1: yeah. a, that's the thing, with Joy 2's print-on-demand system because it takes two Mm -hmm. to three weeks to actually get to the point where you can physically order a a customer can physically order a book if but you have to have the pdf before you can start that process so there's Mm -hmm. always a sort of three-week lag between the pdf becoming available on drive through and the print-on-demand you always get people asking you that question where's the print-on-demand and the answer is always in about three weeks uh, and and also there have had to be some subtle differences
3: between the printed PDF, uh, like sort of the regular PDF that you go through, mm-hmm. and the one that's printed out. Yes. Uh, because looking at them, it sounds really obvious. And like, I swear, we're not idiots, but it was just like when you have them page by page, suddenly things jump out and some of the layout looks terrible. Mm. So, I mean. If everyone's listening and you're planning your thing, make sure you look at it as you would at a book, because that makes a huge
1: difference. I, that's how I always read PDFs anyway. I always do the two-screen thing. I, yes, don't, I don't like having a single-page PDF. I like having the two-screen thing, so it's kind of like a book on the screen.
3: And, and how long have you been a publisher, Russ? 20 years. Okay, cool. So for people <laughs> who've been less than 20 years in publishing, like… When you're thinking about publishing stuff, mm-hmm. it's good
1: to think about what it looks like as a book. No, People. no, but I mean, I've always always yeah. read PDFs like that anyway, apart no. from being a publisher. It's just like, no. I just prefer that's it. How like
4: you that. like to read.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah.
3: Um, it never occurred to me. So mm. um, good work to Sarah for catching that.
4: <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but with, uh, yeah, so, so as takeaways for shipping, what I'd say is pretty much plan a lot, decide what you're doing and how you're doing it before your campaign. Starts, um, kind of have chosen your partners, have your quotes, so you'll know what the costs are. And that way you can calculate what costs you need to charge your backers for shipping. I'd Mm. say have an initial plan based on how you think your your kind of campaign is going to go. So if it's your first one, maybe you won't know. I'd say plan for it to be a smaller print run. So maybe print on Mm. demand will be the better choice for you at this point. And do you know what? If it does do amazingly and you get a million pounds and it goes great, excellent. Hmm. Your backers will understand if you're like, wow, we weren't expecting this. We're having to rethink our shipping plan. So now we're doing Mm. this instead. Bear with us.
3: Yeah. I mean, if you can get sufficient volume to make a print run worthwhile, I would thoroughly recommend that. But it's just like, I did not have sufficient volume at all. Yeah, Uh, I very much appreciate my backers, but on the small micro scale I'm working on, Print on demand. Well, that's the, the same
1: as our quick starters though. They, yeah. you know, okay. They're not big enough for us to um do a print man. So we do those on print on demand. And also we need to speed as well. Yes. Because it's yes. the quick the whole point of the quick starters is they're quick and the next one comes out quickly after that. So you have to fulfill each one first. Yeah. 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 So
4: Yeah, and print on demand is very good. And I think it's great for the industry because it means you get a great variety of smaller publishers that can get the books mm. out there.
2: Mm.
4: Uh, and then they don't have the stress of dealing they can just get on with doing what they're really good at, which is creating games. Uh, Mm -hmm. instead of worrying about all the logistics and shipping. But luckily, EM Publishing, we're at a size now where Russ can make Myself and Zin do all of the shipping logistics. Oh, I don't it. make you do it.
1: I offered you a job and you voluntarily accepted it.
4: Okay. okay. In exchange for money. <laughs> and we also get free copies of the books as a little bonus as well. Woo! I don't know if you know that, Russ, but I've been taking them all these years. Oh. <laughs>
2: uh,
4: but yeah, so hopefully that's interesting. I mean, uh, we, we're starting now at am publishing doing a monthly um kind of update um so on the 17th of march next week on thursday we are doing kind of a drop-in kind of hangout so we'll be talking about the fulfillment to backers there letting them know about mm-hmm. it so if you do have any that is our
1: game night <laughs> what time is it on What time is it on thursday uh
4: so it's at 8 p.m gmt so on thursday so that'll well, be-, be
1: about oh i'll be there for the game then it'll be fine i'll go on to the game straight afterwards i'll be fine are you are you yeah. are you still are you stealing my player Jessica Hancock? I'm not. Well, he's so. not.
4: He's not due to be on that one, so he can come if he wants. Oh. But oh, okay, um, so right. myself and Savannah Broadway are going oh, yes. to be talking about that. She's going to be talking about the Gate Pass Gazette, uh, yes. and I'm going to be talking about Level Up Kind of Fulfillment. So it's basically just a hangout where we talk about what's going on at Ian Publishing. So we thought it'd be nice if mm. our backers could come and have a chat. Um, but if you are not a backer or anything to do with end publishing, but you want to come along and just ask questions about shipping that I didn't cover in this, please mm. come along and just just hang out. You can go to ianliverpg.com and you can see it on there to get all the details and the links. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have yeah. you along. Ooh.
1: Right. And with that, I think that's the show, because we're like half an hour over now. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was too exciting. It was boats too
4: exciting. The logistics are just
1: too interesting.
4: Trucks and boats and boxes. And spreadsheets. And taxes. And spread taxes! And, taxes. and oh, paperwork. Yeah.
3: Ah, I don't think we covered paperwork in enough detail. Maybe we should, uh, mm. how come? <laughs> maybe we should go through every single form one at a time. Okay. Do you want me to get you through the
4: ones I've done in this In an audio week?
1: format. <laughs> yeah. I think that sounds like a riveting <laughs> podcast this <listening>. month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what would you say is your, least favourite part of the process Jess?
4: What's my least favourite part of yeah. the shipping mm. process? I think it is the paperwork for shipping between different countries because it's something I just don't know about and I'm never going to be an expert in because mm. it's a big complicated thing and they change as well like I don't know if mm. you heard about this thing called Brexit that happened a while ago
3: That's um, that's unfortunate Yeah that
4: changed the rules in a few places
2: mm-hmm.
4: Cause, so I I usually when I'm doing something like to know a bit about it so I feel confident going mm. into it uh, and this is something I, I, I just don't know I know a mm. bit about it from, from mm. doing it a little bit, but I, I don't, I'm really depending on the partners I'm working with to, to you know, send me the right information.
2: Yeah.
4: And sometimes I get a form, like I had some forms yesterday, some European import ones, and I, I filled out as best I could and I just sent it back to person. I was like, I don't think I've done this right. So uh, here's what I've got. Can you t- point, to tell yeah. me what I've done. Yeah. I had done it right, so it was fine. But hey. some of it, it uses a lot of legal and technical language that I'm not familiar with.
1: Mm. Yeah, so that's the least favorite. What's the best bit? What's the most fun part of the process?
4: I think it's really satisfying when you've finished all the fulfillment, all the backer data, and then you've uploaded it to, uh, you've handed it over to the fulfillment partner you're working with Mm. because it feels like a weight's off your shoulders. And also, when you're going through the data and checking it, you get to see people's names and information. So you're suddenly like, it reminds you that, oh, they're real people buying these So what you're
1: saying is the part of the process that you enjoy the most it's finishing it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> no, that doesn't say much for the.
4: No, the I reactions. do. I do enjoy the, the process of like because there is satisfaction in a job being yeah. well done, and mm-hmm. we, I have a specific process for doing things now, and I think you, you noticed Russ, because I was um mm. zin joined the company earlier this year, so I was talking her through that process and how we do our mm-hmm. double checks and mm. and things like that to make sure it's correct. But yeah, it's so, a relay race. A relay race. It?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like from the designers uh, passing it over yeah. to the publishers getting it to the distribution partners and then the final step of the way yeah, is I guess so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like that, yeah. Get, getting that, getting the but the baton which is a book in this metaphor
1: to the uh, yeah. people who bought well, it. We've been we've been really lucky so far. Hmm. No, nothing's gone wrong yet
2: don't say, we have did you just do yes, why would you do that why, why did
4: I say that why would <laughs> you do that Good well you've
3: heard it now officially cursed on oh, Morris's official <laughs> thing of RPG talk well <laughs> they they course. have left the
1: <laughs> printers exactly on schedule <sighs>
4: it was the heading, perfectly timed on schedule like heading a, a towards
1: month, the UK warehouse they're supposed to be arriving at the UK warehouse next week yeah mm-hmm. on the
4: 15th slash 16th depending on when's the 15th Tuesday Wednesday um, so Wednesday
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Next Wednesday. 15th, and then from there, 15th is so Tuesday,
4: 16th is Wednesday, so it'll be there by And Wednesday.
1: then from there, they go out to the UK backers pretty quickly, I would have thought. Yep,
4: yeah, um, well, I've uploaded all the backer data, so it'll depend on, because ShipQuest, their warehouse is pretty full, so their first priority is packing up the US orders and getting them on the container, so it's out the way, mm-hmm. so they have space mm-hmm. to then work on the other orders. So the first order mm-hmm. of business is... Getting that U.S. stock out of here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, they're keen to do that because they were worried they'd have to rent a second warehouse to have space for it (laughs) because they were. We're not that
1: big a Kickstarter.
4: Well, I think they also had a lot of other things coming in at the same time. Mm. Like I said before, we're not their only customer. So I think they just had a bit of a time when loads of stuff was arriving at the Mm, same time, and they were like, "Oh gosh!" But it's all fine now. They've we've worked it out. But that was like a, I was spent some time talking to them about that today. Um yeah. but that's and part of making it easier for them is making sure I'm really organized and I have all the information well in advance. Because it was like in mm-hmm. February, I contacted them and said, Hey, I'm estimating this number of pallets uh, arriving yeah. on this day. And the day I estimated was the sixteenth of March. So it was a very good estimate. Yeah, uh, and I estimated only four pallets over what we actually had. So yeah. it's a pretty good estimate, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, that's how you ship and fulfil the product?
4: There we go. There it is. I hope that's
1: been useful to somebody out there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell whether it's useful or not from this end of it. But
4: yeah,
1: I think I think I would have liked to have listened to a podcast like this. Yes, like a few uh, years ago.
4: I would have loved to before I started working in the mm. games industry, just because yeah. you feel like yeah. such an imposter the first time you do it as well, like, you're like, I've, mm. got a, I've got a game, well, that, you... never, that
1: never goes away, though, does yeah. it? Oh. Mean, you always will. So. Oh, is
4: that the girl? Oh, damn, I was hoping. I'm only...
1: No, it no, hasn't for me either. I've only been 20 years, so... All right, cool. That's never going to happen. sorry. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Gosh darn.
0: <laughs> Apparently I now have to read this to you. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to Podcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored
1: now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Or as Americans would say, minotaur pirates.
4: Minotaur? Minotaur
1: pirates, instead of minotaur, which is how you correctly pronounce the word. But it depends whether they say what's it Taurus instead of taurus.
2: They say Well they
1: say dinosaur, not dinosaur. Oh you know Maybe they do.
2: Maybe they do say dinosaur. I've not been to
4: the US for a while.